Welcome back to OP is OP, the podcast where we go through the One Piece manga front to back. I, as always, am Jacob, the super rookie of One Piece, joined by my co-host, the super veteran, Justin. Hello, everyone. This week, as you know, we are reading the Skypea arc, which covers chapters 237 to 302. And as a clarification, we are just going to cover the whole thing in one go. And as a surprise addition, we're going to be covering the following Davy Backfight arc, which covers chapters 303 to 321. Don't worry if there's anyone reading along that hasn't read all of Skypea or that arc yet. You can either pause in the middle of this discussion, which is might be a little difficult because it's kind of meta, but we'll at the very mm-hmm. least give you a skipping point before the Davy Backfight so you can pause and finish this after you have read that arc. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, hang on. Wrong song. Wrong song. This is a very, very adventure filled bunch of arcs we got right here. Um, that kind of copyright strike us for that? It was too good. It was too realistic. It was really, it was short. It was less than five seconds. Also, I did the singing voice for that one. Okay. So I would say this is like. Skypea is probably the longest arc of a bunch of adventure, like little episodic bits. Really fun, really engaging. But in terms yeah. of discussion, it's kind of difficult because it's just a lot of like fun. I agree. I forgot, <laughs> like, I actually forgot how long they were just like messing around, quote unquote, in the jungle. It's like the first yeah. like third of the arc. <laughs> Yeah, I think you actually asked me, like you were foreseeing it, like you were remembering more and more as I was reading, going, hey, how much can we talk about if we were to split this into two parts? And I'm thinking, like, honestly, like half hour. Yeah, <laughs> it, it would be a big stretch to split the first half of this arc into one full hour-long episode. And even now, we're thinking all, most of our discussion is just going to be on two, maybe three major parts of this arc. And everything else is like, watch the anime, read the manga. It's a lot of fun. Um, world building is pretty good. Um, there's no personal stakes until the very end, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So, where where do you want to start? Because I don't have my usual no, episode. It's not about where notes. I want to start. It's about where you, oh. the rookie, the super rookie, wants to start. Oh no! The, oh no! The trouble's on me. Okay, okay. I think what we're gonna do is I, what I want to do is at least clarify like what our thought process is and why we're gonna stop and discuss certain parts because. So that way we can still go in chronological order what we remember, and then we'll stop at the few parts that we would consider actually important to discuss. So, very beginning, right? The knock-up stream, they get up to Skypea, or at least the bottom layer. They they don't pay the pole troll. They get in trouble when they get on the island. It's their first time actually at a beach and not a port. That's a little fun. They meet the locals, have some fun. It is their first time at a beach. Yeah, that was actually a big thing because for Chopper, at least, because that was a big thing where it's like, so this is a beach. And I'm like, oh, Chopper. He's at least at least forward. relaxing at a beach because they did fight on the beach at Syrup Village. Kind of. Yeah, a little bit. Exactly. I get yeah. what you're saying. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. It's the first mm-hmm, like, beach this, vacation. Yeah, they do the Tarzan screech. They, you know, get in the bathing. Uh, they, actually, no, only Nami kind of actually does. Everyone else kind of just, you know, walks around for a bit because it's cloud water. It's not actually beach water. So they're still kind of like taken aback by a little bit. But, um, yeah, they have some fun. They meet some locals. Uh, they meet uh, what they see as an angel named Kanis, her dad named Pagaya. They tune the waiver that they found earlier. With the waiver, uh, they eventually get into even more trouble. And eventually, at some point, they end up at a sacred jungle. 
and they find themselves in the middle of a civil war between in, indigenous natives. Did I say that right? Ingenious? Indigenous? Indigenous? Indigenous. Thank you. Sorry. Indigenous. Indigenous natives and the actual locals who moved in that they met. And they find themselves like in a three-way civil war, but they're not taking sides. They decide instead, you know what? Let's, we got, we got, we, let's find some of this treasure. We actually found a way to combine the giant Skypea maps. We find a really cool skull. I got really excited when I got to that part. I texted yeah. Justin all about that. And I'm like, yeah, 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 actual treasure. And and then at the end of the day, it's, less, you know, calm adventures for the most part. It's, sorry, not calm. What am I saying? It's more like, you know, again, it's really action-packed. It's But there's not a lot of character moments, a lot of arcs. That's my, mo- that's my motif, right? That's my jam, where there's no personal stakes in this, not really. Yeah, and just the fact that, they're not on the blue sea anymore kind of halts like their progress quote unquote which is it's a good thing i think it works for this arc right to have like its own yeah. kind of standalone breathing space it's a it's the first moment where i feel we've really just gotten time to kind of hang out with the crew which we talked about a little mm-hmm. bit in our pre-show jacob and i we get to like we, we know who they are now, kind of, but we haven't really gotten to just, like, let them breathe a little bit, have some fun, play off each other, and go on, like, a grand adventure. Which I think this yeah. arc does that really, really well. Actually, now that you mention it like that, I do appreciate this arc for the fact that it does feel like a very fun, solid shonen movie. Where, because there's oh. not a lot of personal... Yeah, there's not a lot of personal stakes, but you're still going to go and watch that movie because you're a fan. You, you want to you yeah. check out what's, go- what's the big hubbub. And in this one, it's like, yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of fun. And you get some comedic gold with Usopp with his new grappling hook. You get a moment where <laughs> in the beginning of the arc, you get a, a new character named Ganfor the Sky Knight telling them, blow this whistle if you guys need any help. There's a one second where Chopper is by himself and he goes, I will treasure this whistle. The Straw Hats trust me with this. I'm going to save it for the worst case scenario. And then immediately... Some dude just drops and goes, hey, kids, want to see a dead body? And then Chopper just goes, and it's just, it's like, it's comedic gold at some points. But yeah, but in terms of like actual character moments or personal stakes, there's not a lot until you get to Robin and her exploration, which was what I was hoping for prior to the arc, which was more more attention on Robin because she's still a very mysterious character. We don't know her exact jam. uh, What's her deal? We know that she's wanted for a lot of berries, and that's about it. So, what's the deal? So, that's a little ahead of the game, though, a little later. But they do tease that a little early on before the fights escalate, right? We get introduced to the main big baddie of the arc, Kami Eneru, who I never would have put this together, but apparently he's based off of Eminem, the rapper. Yeah. Yeah, physically, his look at least it's based on Eminem. Yeah. Uh, at least a little bit, yeah. But I'm because yeah, if you got, if you did it's not inspired tell me, by Eminem, okay, that sounds better. Because if you yeah. uh, did not tell me, I would have never put two and two together. Because I saw like the ring on his back, um, the long dragged out ears, and I'm just thinking like the really flat, smug, shitting grin he always has, and it's just like. Not quite, but I guess I could see it. But yeah, he's just this god complex villain. Literally god complex. He's called Kami Guru. 
Kami Kuru, oh my god. I've been watching too much Dragon Ball Z Abridged. Uh, Kami Enaru. Um, <laughs> sorry. And yeah, we have the adventures going on. There's a moment where you think there's like a battle royale going on between like Zoro, uh, one of the uh, natives, Wiper, with his golden bazooka and the cool, loaded with the cool dial system that I actually really do like, where you put energy, yeah. like basically, the, yeah, the simple way to address how the dials work energy goes in after you hit a button energy comes out and so it could be wind it could be fire it could be noise so in an equal amount too so as they had an example or, equal that or Luffy, greater amount yeah equal or greater amount exactly so there's a moment where like as a the the safe example that luffy was like winding up his arm really quickly with the wind dial and then he just hit the button one time all that air that was saved up just blew right back in his face so and that's how they say that's how waivers work. I think we just put the, the wind dials in the back. Oh, there was a small comedic aside I do have to mention where really early on where they're like on the beach still and Nami was having fun on the waiver. Luffy was so heady. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was mm -hmm. such a little child because he so desperately both at this arc and even the next arc, he was trying to ride that waiver and he kept falling off right away. And it wasn't because, like, oh, because his uh, weakness to the ocean makes him unable to write it. It's like, no, this is cloud water. It's not the same properties. But even then, he just doesn't have the finesse to write it. She does. And then he's just immediately just like, get off the boat. You're not cool. We're leaving. You're yeah, let's stop writing that. Stupid <laughs> idiot. No one cares. I think he actually calls her stupid at one point for a while. I think he does, waiver. yeah. It was, yeah, that was yeah, a really good like... Luffy moment. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of just how, like, the arc goes mainly for the yeah. first like 40 chapters of the like 53 it's just like Honestly, there's a lot yeah. of really cool like and funny just character moments you know just all throughout yes. which is why it's kind of hard to discuss it like bit by bit in my opinion yeah that's why we're kind of brushing through it where it's like it is um it is a very fun alive island uh we do encourage you if you haven't yet already to watch it, to read it, experience it for yourself. Uh, it is a very fun people, read. People skip to this arc, and that is unforgivable to me. They skip They skip this arc? People actually skip Skypea. There are people in this community, fuck you guys, that mm, say you can skip Skypea, mm. and I could not disagree more. I think it is necessary. For, for multiple I, reasons. Yeah, I think once we... Let's just establish... Uh, let's just cover real quick the, the, the two or three story bits. And then we'll address like some criticisms because they do have some criticisms of this arc. And I think that's why people skip this arc. But it depends on what your preferences are with fiction as a whole. So what I do want to get to is when the fighting is escalating really hard and Enaru is doing the shonen movie villain thing where it's like, in a matter of five minutes, I'm going to destroy the entire island with this giant ball of energy and power, right? But then we have a flashback sequence when... Wiper is witnessing Luffy uh, and Nami about to try and confront um, Wiper and uh, sorry, confront not Wiper, Inaru. Inaru. Yeah, and uh, potentially try to ring the bell. And he has this amazing flashback, which we will, I think we should talk about this one, which the, the backstory between the natives led by the legendary right. warrior, warrior of Calgara and the, uh, the explorer Noland, Montblanc Noland. Let's, let's that save we, that for a little bit later, though. Okay, you want to go to the other one first, then? Yeah. Okay, so... Poneglyphs? Is that what you're referring yeah. to? That's, like, the most okay. relevant to the overall story thing, I think, that happens in Skypea. 
Okay, I thought you want. I thought you would just want to go through the Skypea important one first, then the overarching one second. But yeah, we can do this one then. So, yeah. So what I was hoping for was Robin to have a bit more attention character-wise. We didn't quite get that, but instead we get some major discoveries in terms of overarching plot. So what I have here is the small. Actually, the sad thing is the smallest important bit is she discovers the lost city of El Dorado or Shandara. And it's covered in vines. It's ancient. But she has zero to no interest of the actual city itself. She's looking for, you know, the true Poneglyph. And she actually finds ancient writing. And there's a, it's split into two parts where she gets the first half, right? Where it's the locals saying that they will defend the city to fight for their life. And so she realizes, oh, the natives here were fighting to the, to the last man, essentially, to defend the true history, quote unquote, right? The true Poneglyph. So she's making progress. And then she finds the second half after the main fight with Eneru. And this was the huge one in which she uh, gets that second half of the message from either the bell itself or another piece of the wall. I forget exactly where. But the important enemy, sorry, the important piece is that the Poneglyph, the true Poneglyph, is not one sacred glyph. It's not one piece. It is a collection of pieces that you have <laughs> to the link thing. together. It's the thing, the one piece. <laughs> so that could also be potential to maybe that is the one piece. It's not treasure, but it is the true history itself, right? If you get the one piece all together. Popular theory. Popular theory. Okay. I actually didn't know that. But yeah, like a, a collection of uh, pieces of history, you can bind them all together. And you get the quote-unquote true history because, according to Robin, there is a gap of, I think, a whole century's worth of history that is just missing from the history books, which is, the, in her opinion, the true history. She's an archaeologist, so I am going to imply to uh, agree with her on this. Yeah. And then the other big thing that's connected to this was a certain certain famous somebody was here before. Um, the name is not quite ringing a bell. Uh, Justin, who was that pirate? Um, I believe he was a, a young upstart pirate by the name of Gold Roger. Oh, may, maybe, you know, maybe, just maybe, you know. It sounds familiar. Uh, oh, you know what? Gold D. Roger. I think that's who. Oh, that's the Pirate King. Oh, shit. It is indeed. The Pirate King himself also at one point traveled to Skypea. And he did a little graffiti he... tag on the Poneglyph while he was there for good measure. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious how exactly that went down because we don't have the details we just have we just know that he was there about 20 years ago one of the locals i think it was a sky knight or one of the chiefs they confirmed it and shoot what going on with it right so they confirmed that goldie roger showed up about 20 years ago and he the message he left was something along the lines of this is the oh gosh what was it it was the pirate king delivered this document to its destination Yes, I don't know exactly like that. what that means, but like that's where I'm, I'm actually going to ask you of what your theories are, or at least what your thoughts are at least at this point, because if, if it is answered, of course, it's going to be harder for you to answer without spoilers. But delivered this document to his destination tells me that there someplace somewhere there actually is a collection of like, you know, written down notes of all the Poneglyphs in the right, correct order, or at least most of them. And so when it's written that this mm -hmm. document is delivered, and it's and it's also implied that it's the last one, I think, as well. It's the last one in the chain, I think. I could have misread that part or misremembered. I don't recall whether or not that was a thing. 
Okay, so let's just assume it is a piece regardless, right? Right. It is a piece. And it was delivered delivered this document to its destination. And I still don't know what to interpret that, but it's fascinating to me because I'm thinking like, you know, obviously yeah. Robin's having the gears in her head turned too, where like, okay, shit, that means we have to go somewhere. Like we have, we have to keep going right to Raftel. That's likely where the answer is. The last, the legendary last Island on the grand line before you go back to uh, reverse mountain. Right. And so at that point, the, the locals realized that uh, the natives, sorry, I keep saying, I, okay. So when I say locals, I mean the people that look like the harpies with the little bug antennae. The, and then the natives. Shandians. Oh, no, no, no. Shand- locals the are, are the Skypeans. Natives are Shandians. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So natives are like the Native Americans, right? They have like they have teepees, but they also are protecting a society that's very Aztec origin instead, mm-hmm. or even Mayan. So that's why it kind of mixes around a little bit. He kind of just got the Native American pot and dumped it out. It's fine. And yeah, and the locals are the Skypians, where they're the very theocratic religious people. But yeah, so I don't know what to exactly interpret this, where. We get another name drop because every Pondoglyph so far, both of them, had a ancient weapon. We had the Pluton from Alabasta, and now we have Poseidon, yes. named after the old sea god. And I, I, I can imagine the, a weapon named after a god being, I don't know. But yeah, that's just exciting. It's, again, it's foreshadowing events, world-building events, what's to come. And that's basically what Robin's main strength is right now, because there's not a lot to her as a character, at least at this point, where it's all this intrigue and mystery of the Grand Line of the Pondoglyphs. Also, so, real quick, I, I guess mm-hmm. you didn't catch this, and I also didn't mention it, mm-hmm. that like, talking about a weapon named after a god, Pluton is also named after a god. It's named after Pluto, who is also sometimes called Pluton, or in Greek, that's Hades, the god of death. Okay, okay. I actually didn't realize that because I was thinking plutonium, like the, the ingredient that <laughs> like, you would add. To, explosion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for an atomic bomb, right? right? So right. I think that that's also why. They, so I guess that's like the double-edged, uh, the little uh, little pun they can put there for. It's like, it's Pluto, but also plutonium. Who knows? So if that's the case, then yeah, that, that, conclu- that assures me that all of these ancient weapons are named after old ones. So... Yes. The theory is still going on strong, and we're going after the Greek <laughs> gods, maybe the Roman gods. I Cthulhu just all real. It's I need all to. Real. I need to go back to that episode where you like did the Cthulhu is real. Cthulhu is real. Yell and like clip it with Echo and just put it in right there. <laughs> Cthulhu is real. <laughs> yeah. Every time we get a new Poneglyph, it's going to be another god, and they're going to find what. Like if if Robin didn't make this discovery right here about there being a series of Poneglyphs they would have eventually found what she would have thought was the true Poneglyph, and it would have been the ancient weapon name, Cthulhu. And you're going to hear me scream from across wherever island you're from right now, and you're going to hear me scream, Cthulhu, motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's the, big, that's the big fun thing right now going on with Robin and the overarching uh, teaser. Uh, Goldie Roger made his mark on Skypea, even when it was in the island. Like, not even, like, 400 years ago, when it was still on the ground as part of Jaya, or or vice versa, right? Jaya as a part of Skypea. But he was there when it was on the island, so he found a way up there, too. Um, it could have been one of the safer methods that the Zorahats find out later that are much more convenient and not the knock-up stream. <laughs> Another yeah. full funny gag. 
they mentioned that, that was a funny moment because and it's also kind of relevant for world building just to find out that there is in fact an, an easier way not necessarily easy as ganfor says but an easier way to get to the white white sea yeah there was uh there was a mention like very early on in the series where when you're going on the grand line uh there's a series of islands a path that you're shoot their version of the compass what's it called again log post log post thank you their log poses take you from a series of islands so yeah you could go on the easy mode path like if you're playing Star Fox, right their easy path the medium path and the hard path basically if you're going um if you want to go to skypea on your route where you land right on jaya you have to take the hard path which is <laughs> the knockup stream but there's probably implying there's a series of islands you can go to where you can go like a very convenient path to skypea where it's a lot safer probably so yeah there's a little tidbit where that was relevant so classic straw hats they take the most dangerous entrance to anywhere of course uh knowing luffy he would have told them to find the hardest path anyway he would have preferred it yeah definitely exactly exactly so i think that covers the poneglyph portion right yeah poseidon delivered this document to its destination oh what does that mean oh yeah so you're asking what i thought about that like at this point yeah uh i think at this point delivered it to its destination i i kind of got the implication that roger or someone on roger's crew was trying to do the same thing robin was doing and okay. so my my theory at this point is that roger's crew did in fact find all of the pieces to this puzzle of the blank or the void century and figured out what happened hey. during that time right like okay. delivered it to its destination like connected them all together like copied them or whatever took the pieces down yeah that Okay, so that's kind of similar to what I was saying. What I was saying, like, there's like a written yeah, document, I'm in the of, same like, spot. collected pieces, what they have. Or like, if it didn't say document, I would have said, "Oh, they found the weapon and they delivered it to its rightful, like, like sacred location." Also possible. Yeah, but it says document. I don't think the translators would have screwed up that badly. They would have said right. object to make it more vague or this piece, right? But or, instead, yeah, they just yeah, said, yeah. "Yeah, they just say this document." So it makes it seem like it's just information. Okay, so I think that covers the Poneglyph portion. Enaru has a shit-eating grin. We already established that. And Very, very arrogant guy. Oh, a very, very punchable face. Unfortunately, this was one of the few villains that Luffy did not have the traditional, I'm going to start the official round by not just decking you straight in the face. We didn't get that this time, but he did conclude with a very satisfying punch in the face. So I'll, I'll accept that. Very nice, clever way of using the momentum of a heavyweight golden ball that stuck on his arm, used as momentum to fling himself like a slingshot and then just punch him right in the face. It was great. The other one I do want to talk about is the great backstory between the legendary warrior Calgara and the explorer Nolan. Or Nolan's yeah, explorer, we, can, we can do that. Liar. Before we get into more of the, the meta stuff I want to talk about, let's talk about the backstory. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, why exactly is this bell so important why is this sacred bell so important for the shandians like obviously they want to reclaim the lost city they want to reclaim their lands but most importantly they want to reclaim this golden bell so obviously your first instinct is well of course it's golden gold has a lot of value and if it's you know a legendary bell it's probably massive and probably so expensive like obviously if we had no context and there are no people here the only priority would be, you know, like people like Nami would be like, we are not leaving this island until we get that bell, right? Exactly. Right. Or, you know, the wealth. But 
to the people, it's very important we get this flashback sequence. We get the much-needed missing note with Noland, because we only have the storybook fairy tale of Nolan the Liar. We don't have the actual whole story. And we, it starts off with Kalgara being a very ruthless warrior, by the way. I thought they were going to start off with, oh, history was incorrect, where the legendary warrior, he was so just and mighty. And it's like, he yeah, was ruthless no. and cool. <laughs> I thought they're, yeah, I thought they're going to go with that route at first, because the very first thing we see Kalgara do is there are, at this point, Sky P is still on the, in the Blue Sea, is still down below. And the people who land on the island are literally kicked off the island with brute force. And the entire ship is destroyed too, because Calgara has the guns. I don't know, literally or figuratively, he's able to wipe it out quite clearly. And then it's Nolan and his team's turn. They are in a storm and then they hear a distant, beautiful chime of a bell. And they go in that direction and no one else in the crew can hear that bell. Oh my God, I'm starting to come together now. <laughs> Sorry, pre-recording, Justin told me something that he wants to talk about. And now I'm like going, okay, wait, now I'm recollecting it. Now this stuff, now it's come, now it's putting together in my head now. Anyway, so he, what that theory might be. So Nolan hears the bell, but no one else does. So you're thinking like, okay, maybe because he's a legendary explorer, right? He just has these natural gifts, right? Conveniences to help proceed with the plot, but it matches the character. So it's fine. It makes it fun and adventurous. They find the island. And immediately, Nolan sees that there are locals that are sick, but the locals are all, sorry, the natives at this point. There are natives that are sick at this point, and he's trying to address the sickness that's going around that he, he realizes is tree fever. And, you know, very, it's very simple name, but it's fine. And <laughs> well, then again, it's much more safer than jungle fever. So yeah. he, yeah, he knows the cure where you have to find the certain bark in a tree that's usually deep in a forest. And he has to get this bark to uh, herbalists or botanists or because he's a botanist himself was what he claims. But you need to mix it together and make a and make medicine. Obviously, Calgara is very uh, distrusting, uh, but we do know why. Well, because whenever sailors come on the island, they're very dishonorable, very disrespectful to everything holy and sacred to the site. Like you can't, you can't trust the trees. You can't um, shoot. There was a serpent, right? There's a there's a serpent where if you kill it, that's it's their god basically. So don't mess with the serpent. And you have to apply. Uh, you have to respect the customs where it's very Aztec, right? It's very, or I guess you could say it, it's more likely it's more King Kong natives because they're literally like, oh, the people are getting sick. Find the like find the most beautiful virgin you can find and sacrifice her on the altar to the serpent, right? Similar to King Kong, right? Yeah. Sacrifice the the lady to King Kong and let King Kong do what he wants with the girl. So we get very we get some King Kong vibes from that. And and then Nolan is screaming at Calgara, like, no, this is not how you do it. This is not also it was getting kind of offensive at first, but it made it work out in the end because it's showing different perspectives, right? Because Nolan is strictly like, no, it's it's illogical, it's irrational to do this. But of course, mm -hmm. I'm thinking like it's their culture. You can't just stay. You can't just say it's illogical and expect to win the argument. If it's right. their culture, then you have to take it slow and show them an alternative, which he actually does. Yeah. His perspective when he's arguing with Calgara, because Calgara is like obviously really wants to kill Nolan and kick his entire crew off the island or kill them all. He's saying, no, please just give me a chance. If it does not work, then kill us all. Right. Then kick us off. I don't care what you do with me. 
just, I want you to do this and listen to me because this is the right thing to do. Right. And there's even a very big moment where Calgara is asked to trust Nolan, but Nolan is pleading with them, not for his life, but just trust me. I want to save you guys because you guys are sick and this is an, <laughs> it's an epidemic and I want you guys to get cured from this. And then the God, the serpent at the time, uh, not Nola, that's Nola's the current day version, the grandfather or the grandmother version mm-hmm. is about to eat uh, Nolan, if I recall. And Calgara takes the gamble and kills his own God and yeah. goes, you better be right. Cause I just committed blasphemy on an unforgivable level, but I'm giving you a chance outsider. Cause I've never seen someone not plead for the goal. All oh, right. That's nothing too. Sorry. The gold, obviously they have the city of gold and the people are trying to get the gold. I'm so dumb for that. Not mentioning that, but yeah. And then you're like, okay, you're not here for our gold. You're not here. Cause you're, you don't even know there's gold here. And you're not disrespecting the usual way. You're doing it because you want to save us. I'm giving you this chance, outsider. You get, mm-hmm. you're on very thin ice. You get one chance. Lo and behold, it works. Calgara is immensely shocked. The people are shocked as well, but they're getting better. And they kind of see it as almost like a new golden age where, you know, we got, we got rid of this plague. We got this disease out of the way. And then Calgara and Noland actually start bonding. They start getting, become bros, essentially. It's actually a very touching story because usually it's um yeah i agree because usually yeah because usually it's very like oh you like you because you ever you hear these stories of like an like the white outsider coming into the native island usually it's oh whatever the outsider says is correct because you've been you know what history is like that thanks history class and and they what they do is always the right thing but in this case it's not that he did the superior thing is that he did the friendly thing secure the people and then they start bonding they start like you know trading supplies with each other they start you know conversing learning about each other's culture Calgara eventually shows nolan the lost city of shandora and shows him the bell nolan goes this is the bell that i've been hearing about holy shit this is a lost city and therefore there's a go he did in fact see the city of gold so he is in fact not a liar but Justin, if you don't mind continuing for this part, there's a second part to this flashback. Are oh, you talking about the the finale of this flashback? Yeah, because they're bros, right? They get together very well, and then another action occurs, and then Calgara yeah. is even more hostile than before. But out of respect, he allows Nolan and his crew to leave. Right? He tells them to leave, but he doesn't, you know, kill them. Right. Right. So that's yeah, out of respect. So you get, yeah. like, following the same tree fever sickness that was striking all these Shandians, Nolan goes to the root of the problems, which just so happens to be these particular breed of white tree deep in the <laughs> Quite literally. <forest. laughs> Quite literally the root of the problem. Yeah, true. And so mm-hmm. they have to cut down a bunch of these trees, find the ones that have the fever, and I guess they discarded them somehow, threw them into the ocean, burned them, doesn't really say, but they cut them down. Trees are gone. Unfortunately, they're like, very sacred to the Shandians, special... Ancestral grounds. Yeah, so it's like the idea is that when you ring the bell, the sound draws back the souls of their dead ancestors, and the, the dead ancestors live in the trees. So they're like deities, mm-hmm. almost, the trees. And when they cut those mm-hmm. trees down, it just does not go over well. The Shandians are very, very unhappy, and they're like, yeah, you guys, you need to go. We're not going to kill you, but you need to go. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, like in this case, I go, oh shit, this is a legit reason to be super fucking mad, even at someone who helped cure your people. Because imagine if some outsiders come into your town, right, your city, and they go to your local cemetery and they just they just start un, they just start un, un, undigging. They're sorry, I can't think of the term. Digging up all your coffins and um and you know graves of all your ancestors of all your locals. Yeah, it's like what the hell are you doing? What are you doing? Like. What is this? Like, you can't touch that. You can't mess with that. Let them rest in peace, you know? So at this point, I'm like, oh, yeah, they would be really, really offended. But why would Nolan do this exactly, right? Is it just, is it just outsiders being outsiders and just doing what they want for whatever reason, for trade in the future, for lumber? And we find out, no, right? There's a reason for this. Yeah, they were the root of the sickness. The tree fever would have just keep, it would have continued to spread had they not cut out you know, mm-hmm. the literal source of the problem. It's very unfortunate that it was those trees. Yeah, exactly. And then there was actually a very touching moment where the there are messengers, I think, on both sides, right? There was a messenger that represented Calgara and a messenger that represented Noland because, they, you know, they hate each other right now because of that action, so they can't look at each other. And I believe it's a messenger for Noland. I don't think it was Noland himself. But they do say, uh, yeah, like, on behalf members. of Noland, we, yeah, we immensely, extremely... Um, are sorry for what we did we did not under we did not know these were ancestral grounds but you have to understand we did this not because we were just you know get you know we were just plundering your resources and taking it back to england right we were doing this because these were the root of your disease these were the trees responsible for the tree fever for the tree illness and we did this to prevent this from happening again so you guys don't have to you know deal with this again we did it to save you guys and the messenger hastily returns to Calgara and Nolan and his crew are sailing off, right? They haven't left completely, but they're within shouting distance. If you have the mighty lungs of Calgara, Calgara emotionally completely understands what Nolan did. And he again sides with Nolan rather than his cultural upbringing and understands immensely and, and with tears and goes, we will ring this bell over and over in hopes that you will find us again one day. Because he remembers that's how he found the island in the first place. He heard the chime of the beautiful bell. Beautiful right. chime of the bell. And, and you know, and obviously he shouts back, I will return one day. You can count on that. And then we have the storybook version, right, where he returns to the king. No one does. A uh, king of whatever island. The king goes, oh, city of gold, you say. All right, let me give you a bunch of soldiers. You'll go to the island and visit again and i think nolan does know that the king intends to try and loot the place and there's a voyage where they go on a deadly voyage incredibly dangerous voyage where most of the ships are completely scattered and destroyed so they're very undermanned at that point but in between that's it's like five-year period sorry i forgot to mention that part it's a five-year period stretch and we have essentially what the commies right or like the the main baddies in the arc they uproot Skypia with that that tree branch, that vine that goes into the sky. Did they ever explain that, actually? Or is that like just what the commies wanted to do? They just wanted a land for their own, so they just took an island. Oh, uh, you mean what after Shandia gets sent into the sky? Shandia, right. So Shandia is the original name of Skypia, right? Okay. So, well, yeah, because that vine yes shoots it up. Yes and no. Mm-hmm. I think Shandia... Shandia was the original name of Jaya. Because, like, Skypia was already there when Shandia got blasted up. 
because yeah, the it was an saw it, they heard the bell and they were like, oh, it's like a heavenly land. And then the, yeah. the kami that was there at that time was like, ooh, heavenly land, that's about to be mine. So okay. there is a separation between Shandia and Skypea, but it's weird, you know? It's right. Weird okay, no, that makes sense. That makes sense because it's, it's an archipelago, right? And so the main island, which I'm guessing you're saying is Shandia, is the, the head, right? The upper part of the skull, if you remember the map. And then you're saying the bottom jaw is Jaya. Because Jaya. Jaya. <laughs> I guess that's supposed to be the meaning of it. Something and like then that. after, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, then once, and then Shandy has you sipped, uh, you uh, uplifted into the sky, and then whatever's left over of uh, Shandia is just now a part of Jaya at that point. So I think that's supposed to be the idea behind it. Um, but yeah, so the island is usurped, and they were actually, and Calgaro was still honest with his work, he was ringing the bell periodically, just hoping that they would hear the bell in return, hoping to see his friend again. And shit happens. The massive earthquake flings them all up into the sky, and they find themselves at war with the uh, Skypians, now the locals, uh, led by the heavenly Kami people. Well, they call themselves heavenly. They're far from heavenly. Right. And they start waging a civil war that the, the natives, the Shandians, are losing for 400 years. Even the great warrior Kalgar wasn't enough to repel them back. But that's kind of full off to the side because you, we already know where that leads to. The conclusion to the whole story is is exactly what we get in the storybook, where Noland and the king and the whatever's left of the soldiers, they they go to Daya, what's left of Jaya or Shandia, and it's like, where's the city of gold? Where is everything? You told me to be gold here. Noland assures, no, this is the location. This is where they should be. Where is it? And the king gets pissed, arrests Noland, and even to his last dying words, Noland assures that there is a city of gold and I wanted to see my friend one more time before he's executed. It was a very touching backstory. It was very tragic. Yeah, very but explained. Yeah, and it explained everything. Actually, thank you for wanting to do this part second because it concludes, it leads into the conclusion of the arc, which is actually very yes, touching. Yes, exactly. Where, which I think this is, so far for me personally, the best climax of any arc in One Piece. Hands down. I can see that. I'm not going to argue against that. Like, I don't think it's my personal favorite, but it's like, I'm not going to argue with that. That's a great conclusion. Um, where Luffy, uh, with the assistance of Nami, they're up in the sky. They're fighting Enru on his floating golden ark because he's, again, a god complex. He's trying to recreate the Bible. And they do this final blow against them. They actually find the bell at the very tippy top of the vine. Or at least not the very tippy top, but close to it. And they actually do find it. Enru places himself right in front of the bell at the right moment, right? When they're doing their combat, they're doing their sick anime fights with lightning and rubber. Luffy does that golden ball punch that I mentioned, but he decks Enru and hits the bell. And then everyone down below, including Mont Black Cricket, all the way at the bottom, all the way at the very bottom back at Jaya, they hear that beautiful chime. Boom. Boom. And it Do we agree end. that it's the best final hit of an arc? Uh, I have to think more about that, but that I will say... In, like the bell strike? It, it's a contender, absolutely. It's a contender for best best punch. Because I know you're a fan of the Bellamy punch, but oh, personally... Yeah. yeah, this one had a lot more buildup because there's more fight to it. But again, there's not as much personal stakes, but thanks to that flashback, it was still very satisfying regardless because we get the conclusion to uh, the native wiper. We get the uh, conclusion to Noland, Cricket, um, Calgara. We get all of that. So 
we get the natives finally, you know, breaking down going, oh, we hear the bell. Oh, my God. And also it was foreshadowed by Gone for the Sky Knight, one of the side characters, where he says something along the lines of once the music plays, the peace will arrive. What is the exact term he says? I don't think I wrote that down. Actually. During which part exactly? Uh, it was it was actually during the, the first 40 chapters. Okay, I have it here. The sacred land will sing once more. That's what uh, Ganfor uh. was um, anticipating. But once it does, then that's when eventually, you know, the peace will occur. And, and when it does, obviously, that's when obviously Enru has gone full, you know, tyrant, full evil, <laughs> evil deity at that point. So even right. the warrior, even the the Skypian warriors are no longer fighting for Enru. They're like, oh, he's trying to kill us too. F this, I'm out. At that point, they, you know, they're kind of going along with like, yeah, Enru is no longer our god. He's kind of, yeah, he because he ruled in fear. Mm-hmm. Where you know you talk shit about him, he's gonna like smite you with a laser blast or like an energy beam, um, that would just completely annihilate you. But yeah, so it leads to that conclusion as well, where we also get to see um, exactly what those shadowy figures that the the Straw Hats and a part of Cricket's crew saw, where they saw the shadowy figures in the distance with the spear and the wings. I personally was hoping it was some kind of Cthulhu-esque figures. Obviously, they were Skypians, right, in the end of the day. Or, sorry, right. they were uh, Shandians at the end of the day. Or Skypians. And instead, what we see when Cricket hears the door, uh, the, the bell, he looks up as well and sees another huge shadowy figure. But it's not of the Shandians. It's Luffy. You see the straw hat. You see the wide legs where he's up in the air. He's holding onto his hat. He's jumping and very enthusiastic. So they get the full, like, without a doubt conclusion Luffy proved the city was real. He rung the bell. I can now rest knowing that my ancestor was not a liar. What a great spread panel, too. That, like, giant Luffy shadow, like, as the bell rings. That's such yeah. a good moment. Yeah. I was still personally a little upset that it disproved the Cthulhu hope. It really did. Because... Well, it didn't I, disprove again, it. Just that this part is not necessarily a yeah, Cthulhu it, yeah. Uh, yeah, it just it just just it just got rid of that clue, right? That piece of proof. Although we got right. the Poneglyph Poseidon name drop, so I'm like, okay, so yeah. I'll hope for that instead. So yeah, that's about Skypia essentially at the end of the day. Okay, so as before we talk about anything else, since we just talked about the conclusion, as to why I think I I really like it so much. Mm-hmm. Since we're on talking about this meta level the whole episode, and we still haven't gotten there yet, and we're, yeah. <laughs> this might be a little longer than we thought, dude. We're at your forty-five minutes. That's uh, fine. We got two arcs and to go, we'll... and the other arc is going to be much smaller. Yeah, I don't have like a bunch, a bunch to say. But what I really liked is the whole, okay. like the metaphor. I like the bell as a like the recurring theme, like Lee motif, if you will, the symbol. Mm-hmm. And what the ring of it represented was like the double entendre, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Right. When, when Luffy defeats Enel by ringing the bell, because it represents both, as Kalkra said in the flashback, um, like the souls of their ancestors, mm-hmm. like being brought back to the island, which, you know, right. you kind of take that as probably not true. But on uh, the metaphorical, like, literature level, it's, in my opinion, it's kind of probably the first time the bell's been rang, they say, in like 400 years, I think, is the implication. Yeah. So, cause, yeah, yeah, it is, because it hasn't been rung since no one left because mm-hmm. Kami since took the it. Pine. So this is mm-hmm. bringing back the souls of both Kalgara and Nolan back together also. Exactly. Know? Which is now really just exactly. a really, really beautiful thought. It's bringing them both back to Jaya together. 
to see each other again, like their last promise, and it's kicking the crap out of Enel, telling uh, what Cricket, Mont Blanc Cricket, that it was all true, the island is up here, the bell is up here, the city of gold is here. It's just like all those multiple hits packed into the, the bell ringing for me just really, really hit, you know? Yeah, and on top of that, on a more literal, simpler sense, it also knocked the bell out of Enaru with that punch. <laughs> Got him! <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. So, that was, I was, initially, I was thinking you're going to go with that. But yeah, your version is a lot better. <laughs> your version is a lot better than what, yeah, because so, I, I didn't even bring it together. Yeah, the bell brings the spirituality back together. Exactly. That's great. So having vocalized your thoughts on this and, and rehashed over everything, I will ask you again what I asked you in our, our pre-show, if you will. Is uh -huh. Noland, Noland Montblanc, do you think his real name is Nolan D. Montblanc? So this was a theory you pressed on me. Yeah. So before I, during the pre-talk, I was going, eh, I really don't know. Because my simple thing was like, oh, it needs to have... Noland needs to be a first name for sure and then needs to have a clear last name and I was telling and this is a very petty argument right because you're telling me because you're telling me no it's it's a uh, Noland Montblanc and I'm thinking like no but they always say Montblanc Noland so it wouldn't make sense if it was Montblanc Nolandy it just wouldn't sound right that was literally my argument it made no sense but it actually does kind of make a little bit of sense but <laughs> oh look in a consistent, it's the, yeah, it's the it's the uh, it's the writer's uh, consistency argument, but it's very weak at the same time. And in this case, though, when I reminded myself, speaking of that backstory, I'm like, oh, there's this, there's this always this recurring theme that the people with the will of D have like this extra sense of voyage and adventure. And Noland or Nolan D, possibly, who knows, heard this bell in the middle of a heavy ass storm, and was like, no go this way, I hear something beautiful, I want to go this way, something spiritual is ringing, or something beautiful is ringing, right? And they go towards that way, and you could say, maybe if it's not a sense of voyage and adventure, maybe it's a sense of gold and wealth, because it's a golden bell ringing. So there's a couple of all these things that it's a possibility right. of reinforcing that. So, and again, the Will of D, maybe it's not a, it could be an ancestor, actually, because it's been 400 years, so who knows? Yeah, so you can't really disprove it. It just means that possibly Cricket and Luffy, if this theory is correct, are distant relatives. Like, they're, like, third cousins or something, or past brothers Potentially, or yeah. I just think, Potentially, it, I think yeah. it adds just a little something if, like, the it takes finally for uh, for Wiper, descendant of Kalgara, and potentially Luffy, you know, potentially mm -hmm. related to noland to come back together to finally ring the bell metaphorically bring back their souls together blah 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 you know what i mean that's mm -hmm. that's basically yeah. my thought it's just a little more poetic but i'm not i'm also not like 100 sold you know i'm not like oh noland is a d yeah if it's this proven you're not going to be like oda how dare you i am boycotting the rest of the series it's like no it's a fun yeah. theory to keep it to keep attached to and because if you're right then you can go fucking called it motherfuckers because that's yeah. where I'm at with Cthulhu, after all. It's a more outlandish theory, but this one would feel much more satisfying if proven correct in the future. But, yeah, so Nolan being a possible uh, ancestor of Goldie Roger, possibly, who knows. That is a theory I'm willing to potentially believe in just because he heard the bell. And again, for those who say, no, he just heard the bell as part of the story, as part of the mysticism and adventure of this standalone story that's a-okay too that's great too because again yeah. i didn't see it that at all ways. when i first read it 
yeah, I didn't see that at all when I first read it. And it was still a great flashback. It was, it was a highlight of the entire arc. And it was with two characters that have no direct connection to the Straw Hats. So it still, you know, enticed me. So it did its job regardless. Anything else before I think we should... I have a couple of criticisms of the actual arc. Anything else we want to bring up? Well, are there any just, like, moments that you really liked throughout Skypea? Because we kind of glossed over the any character moments that you really enjoyed, cool action scenes. Uh... Actually, now that you've mentioned that part, I think that's where my criticism comes from is because the Straw Hats are a third party in this whole debacle, which is fine. Again, by the way, there's no there's not a lot of personal attachments going on with the Straw Hats, particularly, which they're mm, characters yeah. I care about the most. So uh, there's no personal issue or troubles or connection when the bell is being you know, the main focus or Shandia until we get that flashback because it's a touching story, but not because exactly it affects a potential straw hat. Like I think in one of our pre-show discussions, you asked me, did you ever at one point think Wiper or Connus would join the straw hats or Gonfer? And the answer was, I never did. Not once. I never had the thought that maybe one of these locals would join the crew. There was never a, yo, we need a blank to join the crew. It's call out that Luffy always does. There was never that. And also there were locals on an island that was isolated for 400 years. I doubt they would be very eager to leave unless there was a character on the island that was like completely like Usopp, right? Who was like, I want to leave. I want to adventure. I know there's more out there. We never got it, neither of those. So that, I never got that implication as well. But yeah, because there's no character connections, the main goal was, was just, I hope they get gold. Right. I hope they get the plunder. Yeah. And they do, by the way. It was a very nice change of pace where the Straw Hats actually get the reward or the plunder in this case that they went for. And you're probably thinking Straw Hats plundered after that touching story. Oh, no. It's like, no, if you read the arc or watched it, they didn't take the bell. In fact, the locals were offering them a probably a hundred trillion dollar support beam of the bell going. Oh, yeah, yeah, we don't need this. Do you guys want this? And the Straw Hats were like, oh, shit, they saw us stealing all the smaller gold. Quick, flee. They brought this giant bazooka with them. <laughs> so, yeah, again, like comedy. Yeah, comedy is great for this arc for those little reasons alone. But, yeah, Tommy because of that. so mad if she found out later that they were going to give him Exactly. That. No one, if any of you fuckers tell Nami that they are trying to offer that gold, I swear to fucking God, I'm going to get so mad. Oh, you know what? I think you brought up the character thing for a reason because yeah. of a, a past talk we had. So I have to make a confession here and who is usually my number one character on my character list? Justin, who is it? Usually? Always not usually always not me. I think so she far, was number every two. Time. I, th- I don't think she was number one after syrup village. That's the only reason why I don't say always. <laughs> I don't think she was number one. I was don't it think Usopp at that point. No, I think it, um, I you might be right. Actually, you, you may be right. Yeah. I don't remember. Cause I remember, Nami being very cliche tropey in that arc, not being very entertaining. So, and on that consistency, she was quite cliche and tropey in this arc as well. At the, at the last 20 chapters, I'm going to clarify this the last 20 chapters when she was stuck on the arc with Inaru and Luffy and the gang were trying to save her. She was kind of annoying. I have to say it out there. Yeah. I have to put it out there. I'm sorry, Nami fanboys and girls. I have to be real with this. She did the cliche or the trope that I am very not a fan of at all, who is 
I call the Taya trope from Yu-Gi-Oh! Taya Gardner, if you watch the English dub. That is the character who stands on the side and is there to tell all the little kids in the audience what is going on. So for those who can't keep up. And they're only meant for the very young kids because even 12-year-olds can look at a panel of Enaru holding a spear and jabbing Luffy and Luffy going hot, hot, hot. We can put two, 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 two together <laughs> right away, right? We can go, right, lightning, energy, right? Therefore makes it hot. If you don't get it, then you just go with the flow, right? Of like, oh, heat, got it. But right. Nami is there going, oh, he must be there using his uh, powers to uh, use the electricity to heat up that staff or yeah, that pole. And I'm the just play like, by no. play. Yeah, and I'm, but she does this for like five or six chapters in a row. And she's and every panel she's in, she's just standing there talking about what's going on with the play-by-play. And it's supposed to be like this false tension where she's supposed to be worried about the whole thing. And I'm just like, Nami, girl, you're great. Please, I want to watch the, I want to read the action. I want to watch the action going on. Please, please. A less Jim Nance, please. Just, yeah, just pull it down pull, a bit. Pull it back. Pull it back. Pull it back. Just pull it back, please. She kind of makes up for it a little bit where earlier in the arc, she has a fun fight with some of the the heavenly warriors where they they bring up a bunch of fog. They lose track of her and then she uses an impact dial on them in the fog and then blasts them away and beats them that way like that. Yeah, that's a great moment there. Um, there's also a moment where, again, she's the final support in the fight where she's on the waiver where they established earlier that she can ride easily or fluently Quick and aside, able to help. What is the horsepower on that waiver? Uh, they did. I don't know the exact horsepower. Actually, I don't know to, to drag that enormous golden bell into the sky. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. They established that waivers are very light, right? That's why they go on mm-hmm. the the white white sea is what they call uh, again on the clouds, and so therefore they're probably very lightweight in its actual durability of the of the material of the waiver itself. But that has to be very like very stable, sturdy material and a lot right. of horsepower on those dials if it's able to carry Luffy and that golden ball. Yeah, because yeah. they're going literally straight up. They're not going in a slant, like yeah, they say, if they're like trying to project up. into space. Yeah, it's straight up against gravity. Like, the worst thing you could do is go up in a vertical line. That's why, like, even rockets from NASA, they don't go in a straight line up. They go in a slant when they can. At the end of the day, it's just a rule of cool, but I thought that was funny Funny to, to notice, yeah. you know? So, yeah, Justin was not going to end this podcast without me admitting that because I told him that one time pre-discussion where I'm like, dude, I thought Nam was <laughs> kind of annoying at the end. And then you did an audible gasp. You're like, oh, <gasps> like shocked. you were just in disbelief when I first said that. So I'm like, OK, you know what? I have to mention it. You Sorry. said something else about another character that but was yeah, also it doesn't mean somewhat I shocking. The character more, but remember that. Oh, yeah, you know what? I have to mention it. So it, it, it's not, yeah, it's not directly related to Skypia, but I did notice it. Yeah, I do remember it. I'm just saying it's not directly related to Skypia. I also mentioned it. I noticed at this point, I had, I now have a tolerance for Sanji's pervertedness, or not pervertedness, sorry, his, his over simpness gimmick of like, oh, Nami, do you love me now? Or, oh, Nami, I did this for you. Or, Robin, I did this for you. At this point, I've tolerated it. Where it's not bugging me, I'm not rolling my eyes every time, I'm tolerating it. So that means there's potential for Sanji in my character lists to not be bottom seven just because of that annoying gimmick, because I now tolerate it, right? Where it's fine. I'm still not a fan, but at this point now, it took me this long. It took me 250 chapters or 200 chapters after Barate. 
after oh, yeah, Baratow, after right? Bar- when Sanji was rejected. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it took that long, but now I'm starting to tolerate the dude. Because after all, he does have some good moments in this arc, as few as they are, because he and Usopp are like out for half the arc. They get knocked out by Inari yeah. very early on. My favorite Sanji like moments. They're always like right before he's gonna beat someone. Like just like little micro moments at least, you know? And he's just like explaining how he would like cook something, you know? Like that's a, a very vague oh, yeah. like <laughs> metaphor, like relating to how he's about to like kick your ass. Like he did with Satori here. Yeah, and it's usually always at the end of the day. If you look at it, it looks like it's just a drop kick or like a, a high, uh, like a high kick from high up, and then like dropping down his heel on them. That's usually how it usually ends up. But at the same time, it's like eh, it's it's unique enough. It's he knows what he's envisioning. Yeah, it's his I, I like heel. the bit. You know, I guess that's what it comes down to. Yeah, it's what it was. It what makes the kicks all the more uh, satisfying, all the more impactful. So. Yeah, so I have to admit those two things. Uh, screw you, Justin, for reminding me to mention that. Um, <laughs> I would have been completely fine not mentioning them, but the Nami part was important. The fans I will need say, to know. It's really the Skypea. Yeah, so if you're the fanboys and fangirls of Nami, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If this is the reason why people skip Skypea because they're Nami fanboys and girls, and like this arc, Nami is not on her A game, and I'm like, still not okay. There, it's still not okay. It's still not okay. <laughs> there, there are. Yeah, there are there are better reasons. I think we should jump into criticisms now I had of this arc. Yeah. Because as fun as it is, it does, like I said, feel like a shonen movie. It does feel like at times you can cut out huge chunks of this and not impact the overall story. Not the entire yeah. one, obviously, because the the Poneglyph parts are vital. And you have to have a heart of uh, you have to have a cold heart not to care about the Calgara Nolan backstory. But yeah, so because there's no personal connections with the straw hats and they're just out here for plunder like booty and loot and gorge it. So there's no personal connections. So therefore I really didn't care that much about the characters on this Island. I was right looking at all the character names I wrote down and we didn't even mention any of the vassals. We didn't mention the henchmen of wiper. We didn't mention oh much of the others. I briefly mentioned yeah. Ganfer, Connus. I didn't mention the animals, which I, I should mention the animals at least Sue, the cloud Fox, Holly the dog and Nola the serpent. Animals at least get that extra plus from me. Okay, they're cute animals. But I'm still skipping a bunch of others too. Where yeah. I at the end of the day, I didn't really care. Like I think I wrote down Skyrider Shura, the string vassal. I saw him as a discount uh Mihawk. He had like a similar like facial hair like kind of look going on. <laughs> yeah. Or face. Kind of like similar facial structure, I think is what it is. Yeah, and I'm like, look at this discount Mihawk thinking he's so cool and shit. Like he's got a lance instead of a cool ass like cross sword get the hell out of here dude mm-hmm. um and hit and hit that and that character's biggest thing i think was he uh fought against Gonfor, another side character that did rescue the sky uh the straw hats earlier but again i'm just like but where are the personal connections where are the stakes so that's why i just didn't really care too much about the characters i also will say until the last 20 chapters of this arc the pacing is all over the place it's very fast paced in the first couple chapters where they get to the beach and having fun. Once they're in the jungle, the camera shifts way too much, like for like five or four different subplots going on where like yeah. Gaffer is just impaled by discount Mihawk. Okay. Now let's go back to Luffy, Usopp and Sanji fighting Satori, Satori, Satori. Yeah. I want to go with Satori and Oh no, Sanji looks like, looks like he's down for the count. Okay. Now let's go to the tribal village. And I'm like, wait, what? What's going on? What? Like, what? Like, who are these people? Who are you? Who am I? Right. Like, I'm I'm losing track of what's going on. We didn't even mention the little 
mantra girl, Isa, you know? Right. That was overall just not that she's not that important. Yeah, like the like the little girl, she's there for the ride. She's literally a like a plot device because I was actually gonna say I'm a, the mantra actually seems like a fairly important world building aspect that might come in handy in the future. Yeah, I was I was just gonna say that is interesting though, mantra. Yeah, the little yeah, the little girl and Inaru both have this power to use mantra, or I guess you could say chi or chakra or whatever, depending on your background, right? Your perspective. Of your able your ability to sense people where they are or even what they say. If you're in a room, like your your god complex, you're super powerful. You can literally hear people talking shit about you, which is how he was able to smite non-believers throughout his reign of terror. So that's how it works. But obviously, the important thing is in the long run, this is a possibility that could happen in the future. So if they do find someone in the future that has something similar, we know it started here, where they can yeah. sense people, they can find people. And so the pacing was all over the place a little bit. It's a super long arc at the end of the day. And yes. just to serve the purpose of Poneglyph backgrounds, touching backstory, mantra. 60 chapters, 65 chapters. I could see why people would be a little upset about that, especially with the pacing being as all of the pace as it is in that first half that I mentioned earlier. So I could see why people wouldn't like Skypea that much. Um, it's not personally on my, maybe it's like number five of my top five favorite arcs, but it's at the same, at the end of the day, I'm probably going to be skimming through that first half that I mentioned, but that second half I'm going to be reading like page for page, but yeah, I, I, I don't that. recommend to skip this. Yeah. I don't, I don't recommend to skip this though. It's not like yeah. little garden disappointing. And I understand that a lot of people that dislike it too are like old fans, like that have been reading for a really long time because I can definitely relate to the slog of, if you had to read this week to week, that would be for more than a year, week to week. Let me get to the juicy parts. Yeah, that would yeah, be let rough. Me, let me get to the juicy bits. Yeah, that's why the I first mentioned like, half the of first this time I could see that. Very rough, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I like bookmarks maybe. If, like, you, if you really don't care about the locals or the natives and, you know, you just want to get to the fun part, skip to the chapter where they combine the maps and they celebrate with the wolves at the bonfire before they have their adventure. And there's little moments there. That part is hilarious to me. Also, I just want to note oh, that yeah. when like the wolves, like you see their evil eyes glaring, and then like just all of a sudden they're partying, and the wolves are like dancing yeah, along. Next, <laughs> that was yeah, great. again, continuing the trend of animals with uh, human behaviors is always a fantastic trope. Uh, that's why yeah. Pokemon probably as popular as it is too, where you give the wolves some rum instead of you know your flesh and hide, then they start partying with you and get drunk around the bonfire. It's great. A nice little page there, too, because this arc didn't go as far into the Robin characters I wanted to. But there are little things like we could see where like people, they're all celebrating about the bonfire, except for Robin. She's just sitting off on the side, but she's smiling, right? She It looks like she's having a fun time, but she's not quite socially there. Like, Chopper is still socially inept, right? But at least he's trying to connect, right, with like the, like the rest of the people do. Right. Where Robin, he's it falling seems like into she's... like little brother role. All the strides kind of protecting him, and he's trying yeah. to prove that he can like handle himself. You know. Yeah, he still reacts every time Usopp goes, "Yo, this is my plan all along," and Chopper goes, "Really?" And then I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah. Chopper, you're so cute." I like I like the like, moment I, when I, like uh, when they came back to the Mary after Shura had attacked Chopper, and they're like, "Hey, like what, what's going on here?" And Chopper just crying, I'm like hiding. He's like, "Nothing happened. It was just a normal day." Like, just I got trying it, bro. To, you know, it's man up. It was great. I I showed I him who's boss. GG, too easy. Like I did it, guys. And like he's crying. Um, oh, what was the deal with that guy who fixed the merry-go? 
during that party night. There we what go. Was the I was like, night? I was like, I'm gonna try and subtly steer this back towards the ship in hopes because I do want to mention that before we're done with Skype. Yeah. Yeah. So on first time reading, the reason why I didn't bring it up right away because the first time reading, I thought it was just Pagaya, but sneaking like the the father, the engineer of Conus. Because I thought it was supposed to be a secret because, after all, he's an engineer. We've shown that – I don't know what kind of engineer he is, but we've shown he's an engineer. And we know that it is heresy to assist anything against – or to do anything against what the Kami says. So I thought maybe in the, in the, in the dark of the night, he went around to fix the merry-go. But then again, he didn't have those antennae sticking out in the shadows. And on reread, among it in the notes, I noticed right. that and a more the silhouette didn't squarish. quite match. Like a squarish head or figure, kinda. It does seem possibly like, yeah. You could, you could possibly say he's like he, he. You could have said he was wearing a hood if it was still Pagaya, but yeah, at the end of the day, I'm still thinking like, wait, no, because then Pagaya wouldn't know where they were. He they, he didn't follow them at all. Like he's he they, they didn't show that Pagaya was like this amazing tracker. No, he's like he's a simple father who's an engineer who fixes waivers at home. Yeah, right. He's a mechanic. So, yeah. So that's why I originally thought it might have been him. But they didn't even mention that at all. Like they didn't draw any attention where it's like, yo, were you the guy who fixed the ship? Thanks, bro. And then there wasn't a scene where it's right. like, it wasn't me though. They didn't even address it. It was just Usopp going, Who was that guy? And that was the end of it. Right. So yes. a mystery for the future, I guess. Because yeah, I have yes. nothing to go on. That is all I wanted to make sure you noticed it and remembered it. And I'm gonna give you my stereotypical Rafo, which is R A F O for those of you listening, which is a read and find out. Yeah, he says this more often than you think off stream when I ask questions, egging on for some spoilers. He always says, Rafa, boy, Rafa. And I just mm-hmm. go, motherfucker, just give me an inch of the bait. And you just go, Rafa, Rafa, boy, Rafa. Mm-hmm. Gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, Rafa. I'm sorry. I had to, I had to drop in some PTSD oh, on good. you. In response. Oh, sorry. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so i think that concludes skype yeah i got my criticisms all done um anything else you want to add uh you basically nailed it it just starts out kind of slow and it is fun but still like it is it's long you know the whole yeah. trek through the jungle thing it's a little drawn out and it's fine it's just fun the action is pretty fun it's a, a nice team up we don't get to see like sanji and usopp together that often which is cool yeah but you know that's that, at hope- the end of the day it's just fun which is fine I hope we get more Tarzan call-outs and that grappling hook. That was pretty funny. Um, That's but the best part. That Zoro and yeah. Usopp Tarzan yell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and again, that, that grappling hook is, again, another tool that we can add to Usopp's, um, to, uh, his tool belt, his arsenal, we could say. So, I'll see, I'll see where that goes in the future. So, now, you watched your shonen movie, right? And you're like, also, yeah, that was fun. We should note, it wasn't more tools in the arsenal. Story. That at the end of this arc, Usopp is trading for dials. Dials. Dials, right. He's like, okay, he's trading rubber I, bands. I want to say what... we don't know where rubber is. Yeah, I want, to, I want to say he's a dick for doing that. But I think they're like, dude, they're pirates. For fuck's sake. Hey, should be it's doing valuable like to them, for, you know? Yeah, it's valuable to them. But obviously only Usopp knows that rubber bands can only be done so far. Like, you can do it for slingshots, sure. But right. compared yeah, to kind dials... Of <laughs> Yeah, but I, I guess he definitely came out that. on top of that deal. Oh yeah, I, uh, at least on our perspective, he did. But they did establish a little bit with what was fascinating about the world building that Skypia is limited with what they called Vars. It's their in-world definition of like hard materials like iron 
soil, things that are limited because they're floating in the air, right? So they have unlimited cloud material, right? That's why they have like the white, white sea. They have clouds. They have furniture that are cloud-based. Yeah. They have dials that they actually didn't quite establish how they made those. If it's like cloud-based or not, I'm not sure. They look Yeah, or if solid. they're natural or because they look like shells of something, like a creature maybe, yeah. but I don't, I don't know. It's unexplained. So, yeah, so maybe the industry is that they convert what limited vars they have into dials because dials are very versatile. They can turn them into a stove or a refrigerator or, you know, a jet that could carry giant dense golden balls up straight line binds. Who knows, right? They're very powerful. But yeah, so Usopp does get the dials. Thank you for reminding me because it is relevant for the next arc a little bit, although we'll briefly mention that. And yeah, so the dials in the future, I hope, are much utilized because all you have to do is grab those air dials and you can, you have infinite resupply. Just do what Luffy did with his arms and just do the whole yeah. twirl. Do that for like 30 minutes straight and you got your air supply there. There you go. Or like whatever air you need to boost yourself. Which give me a quick recap. We saw the impact dial, a reject dial. We saw the air dials. Is that it? Uh, I, I think I remember like a fire dial just at their home when they were trying oh, to Oh, well, and we saw that one like sword guy, the long sword iron thing dial from one of the priests. Right. I can't, I honestly, a lot the of those fights were fun. Or something. Yeah, those, oh, the milky dial, right. I think the milky dial doesn't work at the blue sea because don't you need like a cloud for that? I think, yes. And I think you wouldn't be able to, it would work, but in, once it's out, it's like, you know, you can't refill it, I would assume. If you're creative, you probably could. Like, I would probably say, like, have Nami use her climb attack, create, like, a fog or a, a very dense fog, and then try using Milky Dial, right? At least oh, somewhat yeah. try. But yeah, maybe the Milky the Dial is specific to only the White White Sea. Yeah, try it out. But we'll see what Usopp does. So, I think that concludes Skypea. Uh, yeah. We I, got I, the tools. We, that's good. I you made me admit that Nami was annoying in the last couple of chapters. You, I had to say Cthulhu that 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 hint from the last oh, arc wait, wasn't what bad. I hoped it was. All this negative. I'm remembering all that negative stuff right now. One more kind of negative, which does relate to the Nami thing, and you mentioned it in our pre-show discussions. She did that really awesome Enel lightning redirect early oh, on in the yeah. arc, and it was just not relevant at all. Yeah, she okay. Did it the so, one time, and that's it. Didn't didn't come back, which is a real yeah. shame. So we might be biased because we're huge Avatar: Last Airbender fans. But whenever someone shows off, they have the power to redirect lightning. That is a badass. Okay, Iroh can do it. Zuko tried to do it. He couldn't do it. Aang could do it. The Avatar. So when Nami is dealing with God or self-proclaimed God, Inaru, of lightning bolts, and she's able to use a climb attack to actually redirect the lightning you're thinking oh shit she actually might be a good support character for luffy when they're trying to take down this guy that's what i was thinking at the time she redirects it one time and that's it she doesn't there's yeah. never another moment where she uses it to like to maybe make a hole in the arc maybe to damage it maybe to try and at least disarm him like i'm guessing it won't affect him directly because obviously he'd probably be like oh i'm lightning therefore i can't be hurt by lightning you know some shit like that um yeah. anime logic Magic it would have been cool if there was another moment for her to show that off. Like, maybe, because he was going to destroy Skypiea on its way out, if she maybe, like, defended the city by, like, redirecting his lightning blast or something. Or, Just or, yeah, something. Or, or trying. Yeah, something more, where that actually brought me out, where it's like, man, that clam attack was really underutilized in during that those last chapters, too, where, man, I wish. Because I understand that logic is Nami is not the strong arm at all of the crew, but yeah. she's supposed to be the wild card, where... 
they, she comes in handy when you least expect it in a fight. And in this case, it could have really helped out. So there could have been a moment where they're on the waiver, right? And he's shooting lightning, sees them coming up, and maybe she's using the climate tech while she's trying to drive it at the same time while yeah. balancing it and redirect it. Something little like that, right? Yeah, like maybe if she throws it or something, you know, while riding the waiver, yeah. like deflect lightning away or... Yeah, if you're establishing that Nami can redirect lightning, we we don't you don't even at least give us the the scene from I'm not actually I'm not even gonna say it. it might be spoiled for those who haven't seen Avatar. Go watch that series, by the way. It's really good too. It is very good. But you know, you know, if you're in the know, you know what scene I'm talking about yeah. near the end. I at least not even a scene like that, right? A potential, but we don't even get that. So yeah, climate attack was underutilized. Um although I will say I wish she wears the cargo shorts more often in the future. Those are much better than the short skirt she has. That's kind of weird. That's also one more quick aside. I really like their Skypey outfits. Sanji's outfit is dope. He's wearing like the less formal, like the red kind of Hawaiian shirt with the pants. Mm-hmm. I really like that. I like Zoro's yeah. outfit with like the open jacket. Cool off, really cool outfits all around. Nami's outfit was great. Like you said, the cargo pants with the top. Awesome. Yeah, really cool. Yeah, cargo pants with the belt. Yeah, like all the pockets for all the dials or tools or the gold. She they were they were later, almost like their movie outfits. They really was. Yeah, so I guess that does because you were telling me that sh- the One Piece movies they have different outfits every time or most of the time. So it yeah. kind of fits that logic at the same time. So yeah, so the most important thing is what I'm saying out of Skypea is hopefully she wears those cargo pants in the future because I did not like that miniskirt at all. But those cargo pants, just right, just right. Okay, now, listeners, we are going to be moving on just at about what is roughly an hour and 15 minutes, almost. We're going to head into the Davy Back fight arc. So if you have not read that, now's the time to pause and come back when you have read it. Let's go. Or for more basic people like me, the Long Ring Long Island arc, and that's a mouthful. Yeah. So I'm going to call it the Davy Back fight arc, if yeah. you don't mind. <laughs> it's kind of a tomatoes, tomatoes thing. But you can call it either. Yeah, so I will say as a preemptive, well, actually a preemptive to the preemptive, is you watch your movie, right? You have fun at the movie theater, you have fun with your friends, you watch Skypea, right? You're appreciating the cargo shorts. You come back home, there's still time in your day. Well, let's 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 just put on some TV. What 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 does Fox Kids have on right now? What is what's some cartoons on right now? I bring that up because Skypea feels like a shonen movie. This definitely feels like your cartoon like western cartoon it is wacky yes. it is crazy 100 percent. it's almost irrational or illogical with what, what we've been getting so far because it is almost like why are they doing this and why am i on board with this because <laughs> it's, it's, it's just fun i had the and the, that was my pre-preemptive now my preemptive is i did have a few people tell me this was arguably their least favorite arc in the entire series so I went into this arc with negative expectations going, okay, this is probably going to suck. Just survive it and good things will come, right? That was my that was my perspective. And I'm just like, yo, I actually had some fun reading this. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> if this is the lowest I, point, I would say, cool. I'm on board. A, like a quick intro, this, there's even less to discuss, note for note, than oh, even Skype. Less. Even less. Oh, yeah. It's kind of the same bit, though. It is. It can be fun. There's a, some interesting character moments. One, actually now two on my reread, which <laughs> I will mm-hmm. also admit, this is only the second time I've read Skypea because in every consequent, or not Skypea, sorry, the Davy Back fight, because in every yeah. consequent reread, I've skipped it. Except for the last couple chapters. Yeah. 
And, and and because of our reasons why people would skip maybe the first 30, 40 chapters of Skypea, it's really relevant here where you're going, what was the point of the first 15 rather than to have some fun, right? And honestly, I if, I, if you're going to have some fun with some crazy adventures, I prefer it shorter. So I think at times I had more fun with this arc than Skypea, but then the pacing issue kind of came back where... By the way, we're going to skip that, that whole intro because, honestly, like there's Tanjit, the nomad, yeah. right? He's, yeah, he's yeah. their welcomer to the island. He's there. Stuck and on there's Sherry the horse. Yeah. She's there, too. And one thing leads to, one thing leads to another. Uh, a bunch of pirates called the Foxy Pirates. They're not hot or sexy at all. I'm sorry, guys. They trap the straw oh, hats. And they go, we challenge it to it. They're not. They are not at all. Maybe two. Of all the Davy backfights you've, you've won, which for the uninitiated, <laughs> yeah, oh, we do know at least one up. person yeah. who listens to this that doesn't even watch One Piece and just likes to hear us talk about it. <laughs> the Davy backfight is a fight, quote unquote, where you play a bunch of like pirate games between two crews, and every time you win a match, you get to take a member from the other crew. And this is just me very, personally. I'll admit it idea. might be a little wrong, but like you haven't fought any crew that had any hot chicks on them that you wanted on your crew. Not a single one. Yeah. They he only had two, and that's by One Piece standards. Because again, I'm not I'm not a fan of the One Piece woman how they're drawn in this. They're always drawn too slanky, too thin. But um, yeah, there's only two that like the, there's the the narrator right. Um, what's her name? I wrote it down. Uh, Porsche. Porsche. Yeah. Yeah, Porsche, named after a car. Get it? Because she's hot like a car. Um, where she literally has like she has the the I hate I hate the design personally. The cliche of like you're wearing a jumpsuit. But you're a hot girl, so you zip it down to show off your tits. And it's just like, then why wear the jumpsuit? Come on, like, don't wear the jumpsuit or the jumpsuit. I don't, I don't like this half-half shit. Um, and then you have the, uh, we find out later oh, on there's a carpenter. No. She's got like a, a weirder nose than Usopp. Who like does? Usopp's Porsche? nose, but pointy. Yeah, <laughs> like long and pointy. I think so, actually, yeah. But either way, it's just supposed to be the hot girl because, again, like every female character, there's a lot, actually, in One Piece where they wear the bra and they show the navel, therefore, they're the hot one. And it's like, that's that's a lot. Like, Oda, like, reel it back on that, on that design a little bit, reel it down a little bit. Um, but, and then there's, we find out later that there's another member on the Foxy team that's the, a carpenter. Uh, literally, her title is the Sexy Carpenter. I'm like, got it. No character. Yeah. Got it. Um, but yeah, speaking of your logic, when you said that, Mike, yeah, you couldn't get more like Whitebeard's got you beaten, Foxy. Like, I don't know what you're doing. By the way, the main leader is Foxy, the, the pirate, by the way. Um, Foxy, the silver fox is his name, um, where he looks like Waluigi's grandpa. Like he's got the big red nose or Wario's grandpa, I should say. Reminds me more of Waluigi with how he goes. He like more maniacal with his games. Um. But yeah, like he doesn't have like the white beard set up where he has like he, he's just sitting on his OG throne with all the hot nurses around him. It's like, no, he's got the mm-hmm. the narrator, the the call outer, sorry, the the announcer and a carpenter. That's it. Really, dude? I, I guess Foxy doesn't right. roll that way. I guess. I don't know. Who knows? But um, yeah, so Traw Hats fight, play these games. Honestly, I don't care about the first two that much. I'll mention the second one real quick because one of the moments you like is in there. Um, first game, yeah. there's just a brief, quick race where they're on boats and they're trying to sail across the entire island. This lasted way too long. This was like, I think, four or five chapters. This should have been two at the most. Um, it, it felt it like was. a full volume's worth of them in a boat. Just yeah, in a little I, dinghy, you know? 
Yeah, I wouldn't say that far. It didn't feel that long, but it did feel much longer than it was. Like, I think it was actually two or three chapters, but it felt like five or six. Like, it felt twice as long, where the whole time is just, uh, uh, by the way, the how you play the game is the members split up in the teams. So uh, Usopp, Nami, and Robin are in the first racing on the boats team, and who cares for the other team? Uh, <laughs> one of them is a shark. That's all that matters. And they the rules are basically just get to the other side, don't fall off your boat and beat the other but there are no rules about outside interference which is where all the entertainment comes from it's not exactly from usopp and nami being clever with their uh with their navigating or their dials unfortunately which the dials were a callback from skypea it was actually how they were trying to deal with the the interference from the actual mainland and the straw hats at first were actually assisting and helping out too but then they get distracted by the carnival fair that the the foxy pirates put out and they're like oh i'm gonna buy these cool pins while the games are still going on yeah so little like little gimmicky moments yeah. like that right Where literally but actually wait no hang on there was a part where sanja was distracted by a harem of hot girls there you go that was one of the distractions for that first game right that's true so they're there they're just off camera okay that's fine uh long story short uh straw hats lose the first game and foxy chooses to get chopper of all the pirates and only because, not because he's a doctor or anything, but because he was supposed to be in the second game, which was also with Sanji and Zoro. But now the Straw Hats are down one player and are at a disadvantage right away. Right? right. He plays, yeah, he plays very dirty is basically the gist of it. Yeah, but when you've played that game more than 900 times, you know how to play the game, which is why, you know, they're effective at it. It's, but it's literally their only thing they're good at because... Why else would you constantly challenge people to this Davy? What's it called again? Davy backfight. Davy backfight, and nothing else. Right, rather than actually be a pirate, you know. But that's his gimmick, right? He's also, by the way, the pirate has a unique power. It doesn't really match his character, really. It just helps with the shenanigans. It's the slow, slow beam, where literally he does like a like a, a like a hang loose sign or whatever, or a rock on sign, and you you slow down or whatever. Right. And that's it. That's how, and that's how the Straw Hats was the first game, by the way. He does that, and then they slow down at the end, at the finish line. Second game starts, or about to start. Chopper is freaking the fuck out, because after all, he became a pirate because he wanted to be with Luffy and the Straw Hats. Zoro has actually a great moment, a character moment, actually, to remind Chopper that you joined because you wanted to. Be a man and toughen up. We'll get you back soon. And it wasn't, like, in a yeah. very disheartening way, which what Nami interpreted at first, where it's like, that's very, like, that's, that's disheartening. What the hell are you doing? And it's like, no, I'm telling, I'm reminding him that, no, you are not a pet. You are not our slave. You are a friend. You chose here because it was your will to do so. We understand that you want to be with us. So we'll get you back. Hang tight, little guy. And he toughens mm. up just long enough for that game. So I'll give props for Chopper for that. <laughs> Uh, while he's being coddled by Porsche the whole time, because Porsche is like coddling him, and he's like hating it the entire time. Oh, they make him wear the <laughs> like the the superhero or like the supervillain like eye banner or like the the mask, and I'm like, oh, that doesn't look right. Oh, I felt I felt gross when he wore that. Oh, I felt gross. It, it like a supervillain kind of thing, or like a robber. Yeah, yeah, um, his little foxy mask. Yeah. Uh, second game, it's like. Okay, so the first game, if you could, if you were to say what cartoon is this like, uh, or like what thing, the first one you could say is like Wacky Races, where it's literally like two teams trying to race to the end while shenanigans are going on, or like Mario Kart or anything, right? Shit's going on, right? Yeah. Um, this one is sort of more like NFL Blitz, that old Dreamcast NFL game where there's no penalties, 
and the thing is just score idiot it doesn't matter who gets who dies just score and it's more a bit more complex than that but just know that they just have to get the ball to the other guy's end zone and they win and obviously there's big muscle guys that try to beat each other up Sanji and Zoro are really strong and really great but they don't have any chemistry with each other they don't have any teamwork so that allows the enemy team to get a slight edge over them and then they just they have a really actually cool moment where they go can I, can I just borrow 10 seconds of your cooperation and Sanji just goes yeah. 10 seconds is long enough and they do a cool tag team combo which is always one of my favorite things or characters legit like you know do it like a, a fighting game tag combo action and they take down the biggest guy and they fool the other guys and they win they get back chopper yeah and the two moments that i liked are both in this section and you mentioned them both i really liked the chopper zoro moment you know it's really good for chopper it's like a man up moment and just it's just more on top of that really great zoro chopper relationship that we've seen like you know like back in alabasta when they're in the bath zoro is the one like he's washing chopper's back and i just think they have yeah. a really good like big brother little brother relationship as you can see exactly here. i was i was just gonna say yeah zoro is definitely the big brother in that relationship um and it kind of goes back to where where he is like the first mate of the team so he's always looking out for people sanji as well you you mentioned all the time that sanji is like the quartermaster and i can see that too looking back on these two arcs not exactly maybe a Skypea, but like looking back at Alabasta, for example. Right. There's also a little moment where Nami reminds us that she is, in fact, a thief. And the referee is literally screwing over um, the Straw Hats, essentially, because obviously it's a it's a foxy pirate referee. So after uh, Zoro or Sanji, I forget which, accidentally knock out the ref, uh, <laughs> Nami pickpockets the, the, the yellow and red card so they can't be penalized. So he's trying to like, yeah. like going like, where are my cards? I can't flag it while he's losing consciousness because he's losing blood. And then Nami is just like, uh oh, did my thing do happen again? Uh oh, using those cargo pants that I mentioned earlier for the pockets. And and then at the end, the, the referee wakes back up, and then Nami is like, oh here, blow this whistle, right? And then the referee's like, right, I need to, I need to flag them. And then it's like, all right, that's game. The referee called the whistle, and yeah. they're like, oh, <laughs> oh shit. So again, they're little, finally, little gimmick moments. Um, again, I can totally understand why people would not want to read these arcs because it is almost as filler as they get. There's hardly any world building here. It is just Foxy and the Foxy Pirates and Long Island where things are long. And that's it. That's all you got to know about the world right. building, really. Um, at least for now. Third game is where my bread and butter is, where we get the Rocky influences here. And a little bit of, again, where the good fights come in, where I like it when characters are moving from place to place. I like it where the scenery is changing, the tools are changing, resourcefulness, you know, and it's by the bad guy in this case. So as much as I don't like Foxy's design, he just looks like an old, old Wario, old Waluigi. Um, yeah. I have to admit when, first off, by the way, Luffy in an afro, surprisingly, surprisingly well done. I was He's very pulling it off. He definitely pulls off that afro. It, it helps when you have Usopp as your corner man. I mean, like he Usopp is hundred and ten percent on board. Like Usopp is aware he is he is making the prequel to Rocky because he's got the whole do. He's give him he he legit calls him the soul brother. The Afro, like, dude, bro, don't tell anyone I told you this, but the Afro gives you 20% attack power, 15% extra speed. <laughs> yeah. Like, this shit is so fucking good, bro. And Luffy just rocks it because he's like, yeah, I'll play the game. Hell yeah. And we legit have boxing gloves and they're fighting on the Foxy ship because obviously shenanigans led them to fight on their ship. Read along. It's again part of the unfair gimmicks of the game. 
straw hats have to wash. There's no interference allowed this time, except for you can use whatever you can find on the ship to help you out or whatever, whoever's around you. Right. In this case, it's the Foxy ship and their ship is intentionally designed to be a gauntlet, a dungeon where if you're on the deck, Oh, by the way, you're now in a room with a bunch of boxing gloves and a mirror so that he can use his slow, slow power on you. Even if you're away and dodging the first beam, uh, there's a room where there's a bunch of cannons and knives. Here's a, there's a bunch of disguises, so Foxy can disguise himself, and Luffy will be dumber than Ash from Pokemon. And it's okay when Luffy does it, okay? It's endearing. Where Foxy goes, oh, that's my brother. And like, oh, you, do you know where your brother went? He Like, he's really ugly-looking. He's got a dumb-looking nose. And then you just see him, like, because Foxy's little gimmick is that he has no self-esteem. So he gets offended. And Luffy goes, oh, it's you! And then punches him. <laughs> At the end of the day, it leads to eventually, right? It's an entertaining fight. Again, it's all my checkboxes being marked off, except for uh, kind of a kind of a whatever villain. But it's taking off my checkmarks, right? Which is why I found it entertaining. When I was texting Justin when I was reading, I was like, I'm starting to disappoint you, dude. I'm liking this so far. Um, at the end of the day, Luffy does have a good moment where they're back on the top and Foxy is putting him down again and again. Like, Luffy is tired, right? But again, it's like Rocky. And just like Rocky, he gets back up every time he's getting knocked down. And he's being so hype and inspirational that even the enemy pirates are going, Luffy, Luffy, Luffy. And again, super tropey, but I was on board with it because I grew up watching the Rocky movies. So I'm like, I'm loving this so much. Right. Also, if I cared more about the villain, I would probably say this is one of the most satisfying punches. Because it was a reverse of the slow, slow uh, ability where I, I thought Luffy had the glass in his glove that repelled the move because after all, they matched punches. But apparently the glass was in his hair. Do you remember where the glass was? I think it was in the afro. Yeah. Oh, I thought for some reason it was on his glove where because, you know, because, you know, Foxy has to use his hand right to use the power. So I thought it was on his oh you know no that that sounds right that sounds right i could be wrong um but either way there was the ability is maneuvered and so luffy does like i i have never seen jojo but it seems like a very jojo move where he's like you got 30 seconds now i'm gonna clobber you he does a he does i think gum gum flail or like a bunch of no he does a flail he does a gum gum flail or pistol i think it is flail or he punches the guy, and the cool thing about the power is that it has a very slow delay. And but once that 30 seconds passes, then all the action catches up, right? So for like two pages, we get this buildup of the straw hats going 10, the next member, nine, eight. And you're back to back, you're seeing the face of Foxy getting like shrunken and more and more in the face of a fist just punching it. Just more and more and more. And then finally at zero, he flies out of the ring. It was very fun, creative. I clapped. I stood. No, I didn't. But it was still very fun and very entertaining. Uh, they take the Jolly Roger of the Foxy flag as a final award. They don't even take the carpenter, which, by the way, that was a big letdown with this arc. First thing that they say before they land on the island is let's find a carpenter. And I went... Finally, thank you. Someone to actually fix the ship. They don't get a carpenter. Right. But that but that's fine because all the carpenters there is no characterization at all. I know Sanji would have wanted the sexy carpenter, but it's fine. And right. <laughs> so they get the Jolly Roger, they get their, you know, their just desserts when they won the pride. That's cool. That's cool. 
that's it. I don't think there's any more details about this arc. It's fun. Read it, watch it, have fun. That's all I got up to this point. Yeah, that that's really all I have to say about it as well. Did I mention the second moment? I mean, I guess just I like that Zoro and Sanji actually teamed up, even if only for 10 seconds. Yeah, it was entertaining. The first time in this series, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but again, because it's like a filler arc, it wasn't as much as you'd wanted it, right? There was one tag, a com- like one tag combo. And I will yeah. give credit to Sanji, because again, I'm tolerating Sanji, so I'm seeing more benefits. Sanji is actually typically the character to be a part of the tag team combos. Back at Drum Island, he assisted both Luffy and Chopper against Wapple. And, and during uh, Skypiea, I think he did the same thing for Usopp or Luffy. And then now he did it for Zoro. So Sanji's usually right. very fine being the tag team combo, even though he appears to be like a loner fighter. He's always down to be the supporter. And so for our tag team, right? Yeah. He understands. He, he, he's played Marvel versus Capcom. He knows how the rules work. He understands you have to... You have to cash in every now and then. Yeah, it's like, just jump on my legs and I will launch you. Let's do it. Exactly. I got the power. I I, ha- I look like I'm a stick, but I have this ungodly power. Don't question it. I know how to cook. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So that was the fun stuff out of the way. Now, I think we also agreed that we should talk about these two arcs together. Because of all these, both of these arcs, this is by far the juiciest it's been and why i want to keep yeah, reading baby. so much yeah. i didn't i didn't want you stuck on this arc for like another week or potentially two weeks apologies mm-hmm. for the weight everyone thank you for sticking with us but just and waiting on this part you know like after like after skype yeah, we waited two weeks for that a little over two weeks actually i think and then you have to wait like another week for just like this would be it would be abysmal you know yeah but yeah, so we returned to the Nomad. The Strahds were like, "Yo, we uh, we helped you out because the by the way, Luffy wanted to get mad at the Foxy Pirates because the Foxy Pirates shot Sherry the horse, which is a huge dick move, by the way. That's a valid reason to get mad." Um, they returned to the Nomad and go, "Yo, we beat them. Yeah, here's their Jolly Rogers proof." And all right, cool. By the way, do you know this guy? And out comes this sleepy dude, but he is tall as fuck. And you're going, all right, this is this is a cool, smooth-looking guy. Who's this guy? And then the biggest thing is, by far to me, which right away, which got my attention right away, Robin was freaking the fuck out. Yeah, that look of terror. The most emotion we saw, even in Alabasta, when Crocodile was saying she was going to backstab her, she didn't show that much emotion then. Like, she was, like, shocked, but she wasn't, like, this was scared. This was, like, taken aback. Like, oh, shit. There's history here. There's something got to go on on here. Oh, shit. And then we get the name drop. It's Admiral Okiji, one of the three main admirals of the Navy, of the world government. And here he is just dot. He's crossing his T's. He's dotting his I's. That's all. According to him, right? One of the highest ranks in the Navy, basically. Exactly. And he's just here by himself. It was... Uh, preluded like one panel at the very beginning of the arc, which I completely forgot about my first time reading because I was thinking that, oh, it's Foxy, I guess. I don't know, but it didn't look like him. But whatever, like he had a wanted poster of Luffy, right? Like how do the Foxy Pirates find them? Whatever. That's one of the bad things about this arc is just how do the Foxy Pirates get there? Who cares? Whatever. Yeah. But the Admiral gets there. I'm not going to question his power, right? He's looking for Luffy originally, but we forget because obviously he's talking to Robin first. And we get this big call. Oh, actually, by the way, Okiji, 
really great characterization on first introduction in a few oh, pages yeah. you you could see but without even seeing his power which connects to his attitude is what kind of person this guy is he's larger than life literally he's nine feet tall because his rank outranks everything he's also very blunt and chill like he's chill because he's constantly sleeping all the time where he like nothing phases him right he's so powerful he could just take 16 hour naps and not give a damn um he also is very blunt he's very quick to the point he will look at for example nami and go yo you're a you're a curvy hottie do you want to fuck tonight and everyone's like what the fuck <laughs> and that and obviously that pisses off everyone right and then he just goes oh whatever i just shot my shot whatever but my, i'm here by the I way to try to, yeah i'm here robin just to let you know that we know where you're at okay i just want to confirm that you're with the straw hats because after all every group you ever join is dismantled or destroyed as a little after you join it that's why at the age of eight she had the huge bounty of 78 79 million berries because i kind of knew this before but we get the clarification here is it's not the the one level is not just your power level quote unquote it's how much of a threat you are to the navy to the government right to the world stability so and we, they tolerate the the uh the world pirates the warlords because they help keep the smaller fry in check as long as you know they're in their zones but Everyone else, that one of those keeps going up and up because, like, no, you need to be taken out of the picture. You're a threat. So we get that name, that inf that huge info dump that Robin is a, just an unstable threat. We don't know why, but she is, and it triggers everyone. You know, obviously the Straw Hats are defending her right away because she is a Straw Hat, even though we haven't gotten that huge character moment yet. But she is a Straw Hat. We've seen this in the crew's reaction. We also see that he is a much much stronger version of shoto from my hero with ice powers yeah. where anything he touches it freezes including vast areas of ocean that is impressive like it's not okay there is a difference sorry shoto in that series he he can make ice out of nothing this guy anything he touches turns to ice but he's very very effective at it he helps get the nomad away that's how i remember that lap spit uh, which was actually a reminder that the warlord pirates are like chaotic evil most of the time while the navy is kind of neutral evil or lawful evil i guess you could say because yeah. they're evil in our eyes because you know we're following the straw hats the pirates but they are still trying to help people at the end of the day like the nomad was even because the straw hats are telling uh, like tangent get out of here we'll deal with this guy and but the admiral's like oh i can freeze the ocean you can get on your way over there and the, and the nomad was like but he's a good guy, right? Don't I listen to the Admiral? <laughs> like, oh, as a reminder, right, shit, we're pirates. And then even Luffy was like, oh, right, we're the bad guys, right, sorry. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Go on your merry way. So, yeah, I actually have this characterized, too, where I have important notes for long for the for this arc, and I have it very short, and then I have right under that, okay, but the important notes, though, and I have all the Admiral Okuji parts, where, yeah, he's... He is a larger force of nature and visibly intimidated, passing on the message. They know where she's at now. They're keeping track of where she's at. And it does bring up the question that why has her wanted level not gone up since she was eight? If they know she is a threat, maybe they don't know how much of a threat. That's why it's been stable. And maybe mm -hmm. if you are a, a if you're an unpredictable threat, you are at around this level of wanted. But we don't know exactly what you've done exactly, so we can't have ev we don't have evidence to bring you up even higher. Right. But we yeah, but we I think just it's know. Kinda like she's sticking to the shadows, you know. 
Yeah, she admits that she was gifted with assassination. It was word for word what she said. But we don't know exactly what she does. And she is definitely frightened of the Admiral. So we don't know if she's like a part of like this larger organization where it's, it's meant to cause as much chaos as possible. But if that were the case, I think they would have more info on her. I don't know. Because even the Admiral is going, we don't have that much info. We just know that you left Brock Works because after all, they dismantled. And now you're here. And the Straw Hats are trying to actually put up a fight because originally the Admiral was there to confront Luffy. He wanted to, what was the original goal he had that he actually had? I know eventually what he decides, but what was the original goal he had? Was it just to fight Luffy? I think he was there to capture Robin. I Sorry, because I remember that when he fixed, he helped the Nomad and leave. Then he started attention on Luffy. And then he dropped a term that really upset Luffy and that caused all the Straw Hats to start trying to fight. I say trying because this guy outclasses them all by a landslide. Right, or maybe not there not to capture Robin, but he did say he wanted to, like, confirm he was with the Straw Hats. I think that was his original goal. Oh, yeah, he wanted to pass on the message to Luffy that Nico Robin is not to be trusted. You should part ways. I think right. that's what it was. I have, it, I have it written down here. It was a pass the message. But, of course, Luffy takes issue with that, and it has a bigger issue because the Admiral drops that like, you remind me of your gramps. You're just wild and unpredictable. And Luffy loses it and starts going on the attack. So I'm thinking, it, my first initial reaction was, oh, Gramps is Goldie Roger. Okay, he's the grandpa. But then it seemed like Luffy knew who he was talking about. Like there's some untold history that you know, we as the audience or the readers at this point don't know. And because, right. again, Luffy was really offended by that. Rather than just going, Gramps, like I don't know who that is. Or like, you know, I mean, that guy back on the island? What are you talking about? Back on my island? It's like, no, he seems to know who this guy is. Rather than Goldie Roger, he seems to have no clue that if he's related to at all. So it could be someone else entirely. We know it's not Ace. He's the brother. Um, but yeah, basically, it's another... That's an interesting point to where you kind of notice for the first time that we actually... We kind of... We've seen Luffy's, like, prequel, if you will, but we haven't really seen Luffy's history or, like, his yeah. backstory. Yeah, we don't know his family lineage. We got that prologue, and that was a great prologue for his motivation. But his actual family tree, we don't know. And so at this point, we're getting like on a need-to-know basis, because now we got the Gramps, right? We have no idea about the mom or dad. Uh, I thought Goldie Roger was maybe the grandpa, or maybe an, he, could, he still could be an uncle. But then it goes back to that old theory also, which was maybe the Will of D is not a bloodline thing, but maybe it's a heritage thing. Maybe you're just granted it right so again all these questions bring up but either way luffy is incredibly angered by this he zoro and sanji the big three heavy hitters are going in right away trio and they all get frozen on impact and can't do shit he all i think metaphorically and literally iced exactly thank you because he's very chilled right he's very he's very suave like that he just ices the people like that and I think before they do that, I think he actually does completely freezes Robin, which puts her on death's bed, basically. He, he ensures that, oh, she'll, she won't die. Just make sure she doesn't shatter, because if they break, they just lose their parts completely. But Straw Hats are in full attack mode, but right away it is repelled. This guy doesn't do anything much. He grabs a bunch of ice. I'm oh, sorry, ice. He grabs a bunch of gra- long, long grass. Sorry, I have to say it right. Grass <laughs> from the ground. He just tosses it up, ices the air and the uh, grass blades that he plucked into a sword and is able to block Zoro. Yeah. 
He's able to block Sanji's kick with his own wrist, I think, and is able to freeze Luffy's punch on impact on his stomach. So right away, all your main fighters are iced. They're incapacitated. They cannot do shit. Uh, Chopper is busy with... Oh, Usopp does have a little good moment here. He actually quickly nabs Robin away from the Admiral before the Admiral can take Robin and leave. Um, Usopp actually just quickly goes underneath his feet and just runs, right? He just scatters it with Robin. Chopper assists. um, And them and Nami get the hell out, right? Because... Oh, oh shit, this guy's ruining our brawlers at this point. So they're trying to unfreeze Robin. They're trying to treat her. Uh, Zoro and Sanji jump into the ocean after they catch up to the boat. Hey, let's thaw this ice out. Rub, you know, Chopper is on full doctor at this point. Like Chopper is getting some highlight, some makeup after early in the arc. He was sitting aside quite literally. So we get that makeup. And then we get a surprise one-on-one with Luffy and the Admiral. And this is even quicker than the crocodile round one fight. This is not yeah. even a competition at all. I think Luffy does a flurry of like three attacks, maybe four. And then all he does is he can phase almost in and out of the air. I kind of noticed that. It looked like he can teleport a little bit, but all he needs to do is hug you or touch you. And you're you're frozen. You're done at that point. Mm-hmm. He just needs contact. So one quite touch. OP. <laughs> one touch. All it takes. <laughs> Continuing our theme of singing theme songs here. But yeah, and then Luffy's beaten. And then the Admiral just goes, uh, out of respect, you took care of Crocodile. He is a pirate after all. As official member of the Navy, I'm not allowed to deal with that pirate because rules are in place. I want to thank you for that. So I will spare you, right? There was a fake out moment where it looked like he did smash Luffy apart in one panel, but I could have. I don't know if that was like a, a fake out panel intentionally or it looked like he punched a part of the frozen Luffy, but I don't know. It looked like it didn't hurt after that. But by the way, isn't ice a natural counter to rubber? I feel like if you naturally I, I feel like, yeah, because you're hardening it, right? Yeah, you get the elasticity. Yeah. So you make it extra brittle in that response because you take away that property, essentially. Either way, it's a, it's a, it works on any living thing. We've seen that so far. But that's why Luffy can't, like, burst out with his uh, his powers, like, shoot out or anything like that. Uh, the Admiral takes off and goes, thank you for taking care of Crocodile. I respect. This is why I'm sparing you and the crew. But again, heed my message. Do not trust Robin. She just she tears apart anything she's a part of. It doesn't matter what you guys have, whether it's a mercenary group, a family, she will tear it apart. And then leaves on his water bike with paddles, whatever works. And we get this great last panel of the straw hats all thought out and they're back on the boat. They're sailing and they're all in the same room, right? Cause they're getting their concern for Robin. Cause she was the one that took the blunt of the hit. Uh, you get that cute panel of Nami sleeping on chopper's hat on him. Cause he's furry and nice. Uh, Usopp is there. Zoro is there on the side, sitting down. Luffy's just sleeping. Like he was like Robin and Luffy are like on two separate beds, but they're the ones obviously intention because they're both frozen. Luffy looks fine, right? He's back to his usual, like <laughs> snoring with his arms spread out kind of thing. But Robin is not sleeping. We get a zoom in on her face, and she's just unable to sleep looking at the ceiling, contemplating what just happened. So this got me more excited than anything to read on, because this is my mental notes. I know you're going to say Rafo to me, Justin. I'm getting serious Arlong Park 2.0 vibes from this, and I'm so (laughs) fucking excited. Because to this day, Arlong Park is still my favorite arc. It is why Nami is my favorite character. Right. But we're getting this big buildup 
to all these past moments, it's more spread out this time because Arlong Park, it was all at that moment, but we got the hints that it was going to happen originally. Right. And this one, we're getting these little moments spread out where we're getting bits and pieces of Robin's history. So Oda is like perfecting. That's why I'm saying Arlong Park 2.0, where he's taking little bits and pieces where we're getting these big story bits here. It's, it's, matching with the actual story right because it's the it's the navy it's the admirals tracking down the straw hats but it was connected with robin so now we have more than we're getting like this double we're getting like all these surface level all these i'm trying to say i'm super excited because we're getting all these extra bunch of hints yeah yeah we're we're getting all these extra layers it's not just character arcs it's also world building it's also plot related we're getting all these events leading up to hopefully what i am dying for is a good arc which i'm again is hoping soon because arlong park was not long after barate it was right after so what i'm hoping for is next arc or maybe like at max three arcs from now robin's arc that we need that's what i'm hoping for please be arlong park 2.0 please oh, don't let me down <laughs> yeah. you didn't before you didn't before yeah yeah we raffo but i will say mm-hmm. for this arc at least i really just enjoy like, the congruousness, I'm not sure if that's the word, but, you know, the congruity, I think, is it, between, like, character and ability, like Aokiji, mm-hmm. which some people, it it can come off as cliche sometimes, you know, where usually you have, like, like I hate to say it, but Todoroki, you know, where you have, like, yeah. the ice-using character who's just cold. But, like, here you get, like, a kind of different interpretation. You have Aokiji where he's just, his, like, whole thing is that it's chill. You know, like, he's lax, he's chillin', kind of. It's, like, the vibe you get. And it just really works, like, and the ice powers just kind of complement it. You're like, oh, I should have just assumed he had ice powers because it just makes so Mm -hmm. much sense. Yeah, that's why I was saying how the characterization matched the power very well. It's unlike, like, I criticized Foxy earlier where his design didn't match his power much at all. Like, Foxy, if right. he looked more like a sloth in some way, it would have matched the slow, slow power a bit. But again, it, instead it's yeah. Foxy, because it's more like his gimmicks. But it didn't match his power. Not every character or even like it, Or even, like, yeah. like, a snake that has, like, a venom that slows down its prey or something. You know, like, there's, there's like multiple that, ways yeah. it could have gone about it. And the, the his look was not it. Agreed. Yeah. So, my one criticism of this arc is, I see why people would hate this arc the most, except for the last four chapters, is... Everything before these chapters seems vastly irrelevant. It seems like I do not care. That's why we brushed over it real quick ourselves, even though we like to dissect and talk about um, topics and character moments and themes. We had not much at all for the this majority of this arc. It was like, what, 15 minutes? Maybe. And it was mostly yeah. about just rehashing I, event I, for event. What dude, I, think we, I think we talked about this fight longer than the rest of... It's, but it's arc. worth it though because this was yeah, the it is. It's awesome. main this was the main main course that was it's the meat. Sanji's terminology the meat and potatoes yeah. all here the meat and potatoes that was missing because Skypea was like this massive appetizer where it's a shonen movie right where it's like yeah it doesn't quite match but you got the poneglyph stuff that's really important you got the backstory it was very touching very well done but what does it actually mean in the grand scheme we'll have to wait and see and then we get these last two and three chapters and it's like oh it's all coming together now I hope <laughs> yeah. So I'm so excited for what's to come. Next three arcs. Same. Maybe next arc. Oh man, like oh man, I'm excited for these texts I'm gonna be getting in this week to come. <laughs> yeah, the terminal so the, the, the terminology I heard from someone is the golden age of One Piece is upon me. 
So I will be yeah, the judge. That was me. That I said, yeah, I, that is that is the vaguest and most that are not even the vaguest. That's the most precise spoiler I'll give you is that you're you've approached the golden age of One Piece. Here, here we yeah. fucking go. <laughs> and so I'm assuming he means in a good way because I'm thinking the Berserk way, and that's not quite a golden age if you've read Berserk. <laughs> it doesn't end in a very good way. Right. Or maybe that's what you intend, and maybe it ends in that kind of way. Man, I, I really need to. Is. I need to read Berserk. That's been on my list for a long time. It's a really long read. It's good, though. Anyway, um, we're going back to here. <laughs> yeah, come back to when the next podcast after this, where, where we go, uh, Berserk is quite Berserk, ain't <laughs> Where it? We, we flip and then the roles. I'm the yeah. veteran. Yeah, I'm the veteran. You're the rookie. But, um, I'm actually down. Yes. I'd be down to do that. <laughs> aside, uh, the aside aside. Um, yeah, so that concludes Davy Back Fight, as well as the Skypea arcs. Uh, very fun arcs, Skypea. And they, they, they both these arcs had some basic issues throughout. Uh, but they do make up for it. I do not think these are the worst arcs in the series. I still think Little Garden is the worst. Uh, Davy fight, uh, Davy back fight arc is still like probably bottom three for me because it is filler. But I have to give credit where credit's due. I got super excited for what's to come, and maybe in the future that the because of that reason, maybe the three four chapters won't have as much weight because after all, you could probably be like, well, technically you can count these three chapters as a part to the next arc. Which is, I guess, most people do, right? If they're watching, like, the anime, maybe. They can just go, oh, yeah, start at this episode and just consider this to be the be, be, be beginning of the next arc. Who knows? Um, right. So, maybe. But, yeah. Super fun. All right. So, we're approaching two hours, but... Which is surprising to me, somewhat. So, it's two arcs. They're fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 30-second <laughs> Straw Hat rankings. Let's go. All right. 30 ha- three seconds. Uh, Shoot. I still say... I still say Sanji at seven, but again, he's not bottom, bottom, bottom. He is really close at this point. Like all these at this point, they're all really close because Nami had some down. So she's not like at the mountaintop peak by far, but Sanji I'm tolerating. So he's not at the bottom depths of below the Valley of Defilement. If you're playing Demon Souls, um, yeah, insert Sanji's, mandatory least favorite straw hat, still a cool character quote. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So like the least interesting to me personally, um, Sanji at seven, I'm going to say, I want to say, shoot, Robin 6, even though these last three to four chapters, I'm like, ooh, <laughs> like I'm getting excited here. Um, I want to well, say. Well, now the ladder. Mm-hmm. I want to say, shoot, maybe Chopper 5, Usopp 4, because Ch- Usopp's still fucking funny. Every time he's on screen, it's hilarious. Yeah, I uh, agree. Actually, okay, I'll swap it after you. Uh, Zoro 4. Actually, no, Zoro 3, because Zoro is, is very handy in Skype. He's very entertaining these last couple arcs. Um, Zoro 3, even though he's not my type of character, he's been very entertaining for that action alone. Two Luffy, one Nami. But these are nice. all super close. You, you heard me stutter. I, I was struggling to figure out who was going where. But yeah, I think that's the same as your last ranking, which is kind of expected. Yeah, at this point. Because again, these are like, it's, it's a movie shonen, uh, a shonen movie, and then we have a filler arc basically after that. Um, right. Hopefully, if the next arc is what I hope for, or, you know, a bridge to what I hope for those rankings might vastly change because again, Nami is no longer on this mountain peak. It's been a while since Arlong park and she showed a little bit of the Taya Gardner shown in side character vibe a little bit. That I was worried after Arlong park. That was one of my fears, right? Where she was going to be plus off to the side, uh, kind of showed a little bit in Skypea, but she's still number one because I loved Arlong park. And whenever she does her little thievery, it always really shows up or her craftiness. But Luffy was really close. Number one for me, this one, because Luffy is consistent with his entertainment. 
He is constantly endearing. He's constantly endearing. You say he's your number one. I don't doubt you at all. That like, is why, because it, like throughout every arc in One Piece, the 700 chapters we have yet to go, Luffy is just so consistent, and he's always great, always funny and cool. Like you know, same old mm-hmm. Luffy, but it just it just works. I love the consistency. Yeah. and I'll and I'll forgive that one chapter from Whiskey Peak that I always say that seems he he was a, so out of character. You mentioned that he could still be hungover or drunk from the previous day. I didn't see the red lines on his cheeks at the time, but I'll give that a pass. Because right. after all, it was only one chapter, and it's done. It made for an entertaining fight between him and Zoro, right? It was like a what-if fan service kind of Yeah, thing. it's, it's sure. It's yeah, a, okay, it's fine. sure. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. So, yeah. Was there something else you wanted to do? Something special? Yes. Oh? So, before we close our episode, I want to very sincerely thank and apologize <laughs> to iTunes username mcfoley299 for giving us our very first ever five-star review on iTunes. Ooh. Yay! And I Ooh. apologize because this was in December and I just didn't know how to check it until now. So thank you so much for listening and for reviewing. Thank you very we much. We really appreciate it. It means a lot to us. And for anyone that wants to leave us a five-star review comment on iTunes, we will read it just as I'm about to do for our good friend mcfoley299. And the title, Great and In-Depth Reviews. I have been listening since the first episode, and I really have been a fan. I like how in-depth you get, and you really take the time to analyze the story. This helps make sure that you don't miss anything. I hope that you keep it going, and don't try to cover too much in the episodes as the story gets bigger. I am also a fan of your, this is you, Jacob, predictions, and how it is not spoiled. Hmm. P.S. My favorite My Hero Academia character is Mineta, so there is at least one out there, which is in reference to us saying, is he anyone? Like, I'm a fan of Mineta. McFoley299 is a fan of Mineta. There you go. Okay, listen, thank you for your review, dude, but Mineta? Seriously, bro? <laughs> Seriously? I'll allow it. I, I, okay, don't let the... Okay, no, we have to analyze this review. Okay, he just said he loves us analyzing, okay? And I'm going to meet this person halfway... Okay, because we also we also we also addressed actually something where he was like, "Don't let the uh, episodes get too long out of curiosity because they get longer and longer." I think we did good for this one. Two hours for or two plus hours for two arcs in one. I think we did okay. That's eighty chapters. What do you mean by Mineta as your favorite character in My Hero? I Wait. think that means he enjoys Mineta the most of all the characters in My Hero. <laughs> so is it? Is it that cartoony design? Is it the diaper? Is it the sticky ball jokes? Is it the perversion? I am very curious. Is this humor based or is this like, is it like me with Cthulhu theory where it's like, there's something deeper here. You guys are just too simple minded to understand. What does this person mean by it? Cause he loves us analyze or they are sorry. They love us analyzing and going in depth, but the favorite character is Mineta. I have questions. <laughs> and if what? he was, if sorry, if they were going to answer that question, where could they answer it for you, Jacob? If they want to, actually, yeah, if they want to respond to me directly with this question, because I'm pretty sure this is about my hero related and not one piece related, because I'm really caught up on my hero manga. Don't worry about spoiling that for me. As is at Jacob, as is Justin, at Jacob Miranda on Twitter. If you do have questions related to uh, this podcast, to One Piece, and we could probably even read questions after the reviews or during this part segment as well, where can they contact you, Justin? At Jitsu on Twitter, the J-I-T-S-Z-U, Twitter or YouTube. 
Twitter is probably easier to get a hold of me since YouTube comments can be a mess, though I don't get too many. So, you know. <laughs> so if you have questions, you can contact us on those accounts. And the next episode will be the Water 7 Arc, where it sounds kind of dull. It might be a military base or something. I'm not sure. Water 7 Arc, chapters 322 to 374. Ooh, it's 52 chapters just for me. And he warns me it might be another long episode. So it might be a two-parter or one episode. We'll have to see. But yeah, that will conclude this episode of OP's OP. Tune in next time in which we talk about the Water 7 Arc. Thank you for listening. (laughs) 